Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello Duck Hunt and welcome to a very special IGN UK podcast because we're recording in front of a live audience <laughs> in a brewery in a hey! Hang on, that was, that was too, I'm just looking at the waveform over there, it's too loud, you have to do it again <laughs> At the Glasgow Film Festival uh, My name is Chris Tilly and this week I am joined by Daniel Kruper Hello and Gav Murphy. Hello. Uh, Dan and Gav. Why do you get a bigger cheer? <laughs> <laughs> get used to it, mate. Just get used to it. Because he's better than you. Uh, so we're in Glasgow, fellas. Yeah. It's all right, isn't it? Like, uh, Scottish people are really nice. Yeah, you've all been, you've <laughs> all been very... disbelief in his voice. No, not disbelief. But I, I, met, I never met this many Scottish people in one place before. I thought maybe they're, like, weaponising against us or something. And you've learned, I don't know why. I'm Welsh. I'm all right. It's, you, it's you lot they hate. <laughs> <laughs> Do you hate us? <laughs> that's quite, that's quite a, mix, it's a mixed response. room. It's a mixed yeah. room. <laughs> that's why I got the bigger cheer. Um, Celt, they can smell it. Is this first time in Glasgow for either of you fellas? Both, um, yeah, I've never been here Yes, before. I've only ever been to Scotland once. I went to the Isle of Arran. And? Fan, f- fans of islands <laughs> and Arran. I was telling um, our guest what I did on the Isle of Arran. That's how I'm blowing it. What did you um, do? So I, used to, I had to test soil. So I used to like, pick up soil and I used to spit in my hand and rub the soil. And if you could turn it into the shape of a donut, it was a particular type of loam. So that's how we got the job on IGN. Yeah. That was a crazy school trip. <laughs> uh, Gav, this is your first time as well. Yeah, I've been what, to What do you make of it so far? Really nice. It's really, really good. Like we, unfortunately, we've only had like an hour to look around. We went for a giant burger. We, um, we sampled some of your healthy foods. Yeah, that was really, really good. Uh, then we, we tweeted about it and someone had a go at us going, it should be deep fried. Like, and then we went to Bin Planet, and apparently that's not the place to go. There's a lot of cooler places to go. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. Let's give a shout out to Geek. Geekaboo. Geekaboo. We've got okay, Geekaboo. Yeah. Geekaboo people in here, so that's your shout out. Yeah. Um, should we you, get want our... ta- you want to take? No, but I think we should get our guest out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this should come as a surprise to no one who's in this room, because everyone's seen him earlier. That's why they're here. Uh, no one who's clicked on the article, because it's in the headline. So without further ado, let's get our surprise guest, Mark Miller, out. Hello, Mark Miller. Hello. I love the fact that the film festival got this tiny cheer and the brewery got this (laughs) roof-raising cheer. It says everything about the crowd tonight. Yeah. It's a good crowd, isn't it? It's a good crowd. Also a really good brewery. (laughs) So Mark Miller, comic legend, uh, currently riding high in the film charts, both in England and America and all over the world, in fact. And South Korea. Yeah. South Korea. Yeah, Mark's just been telling me that Kingsman is massive in South Korea disproportionately enormous it's weird because like, we get the producer tally every morning and there's this massive spike for South Korea and we can't figure it out does anybody know is there anything happening in South Korea because they're just going to see our film really I think like, everybody in the country has they seen love they really Colin like, Firth they really like dogs <laughs> oh, they, um, you like, really? I like dogs I like dogs what are you saying that's all in your fit 
Maybe they heard all the, all the stuff online about a certain joke towards the end of the film that people, some, certain people haven't been liking. A certain rude joke that I won't say now because it's a bit of a spoiler, but maybe they're into that. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> that, that's going to sound so sinister in the podcast. But it's yeah. just odd. Just... <laughs> we'll, we'll cut that bit out. That's yeah, a vine. Yeah. We, um, we don't have time to cut it out. Ask you up tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're very lucky to be part of the Glasgow Film Festival this year. Yeah. They've invited us up and put us in this amazing room at the Drygate Brewery. It's amazing. Um, as part of the festival. So I just want to start off by talking about a bit of the festival because you've been involved in, in Glasgow the last few years, haven't you? You've done bits and pieces. I haven't this year, but usually we had a thing, it was the geek strand of the festival, you know, which was fantastic. It was great because they basically said to me, what films would you like to see for free? And I used to just choose films I personally wanted to see and I'd be sitting in the cinema sometimes on my own watching these things. Nobody else was interested. <laughs> and then they thought, hang on, this is rubbish. And they stopped. Just stopped <laughs> me, you know? But it's transformed into Nerdvana, which is kind of... It's the first festival I know of in the UK that's kind of mixing video games with yeah. movies, which seems to be quite a logical thing to do. That's what we do on IGN. Yeah. Having these two different strands come together. They've got video games playing in the IMAX. They've, got, um, they've had kind of a party where they're playing video game music. Yeah. Um, King, like, King, King of Kong. Some yeah. movies together. Yeah. On, uh, so the podcast drops on Friday the 27th, and on Saturday the 28th, they're doing a screening of The King of Kong, which is one of the best documentaries of all time. Yeah. I think it's the best documentary I've ever seen. Mm. Like, genuinely, I yeah. love it. So with with the, the most interesting human being that's ever lived, Billy Mitchell. Yeah. yeah. Oh, has, put your hands up if you've seen The King of Kong. Right. Everybody else. It's not enough. I thought it would be yeah. more. Just illegally download it tonight. It's yeah. worth watching. Honestly. Yeah, they won't care. They've made their money. Uh, definitely. Mark, yeah. Or go and see or it on Saturday. At the, film <laughs> Saturday. at the Glasgow <laughs> Film Festival. Uh, Saturday. They're setting up, it, where we're doing the podcast now, they're setting up a, an arcade. Yeah. And would show, with retro games, we're going to show the movie. But yeah, Billy Mitchell is, he's like Darth Vader brought to life. He has uh, Darth thought, Vader with a mullet. Yeah. <laughs> well, Darth Vader kind of had a mullet. Darth Vader with a mullet and a Stars and Stripes. Oh my God, uh, those tie. ties. And he makes like these hot sauces, which I've been really trying to get hold of. Like, I love hot sauces. I want to taste Billy Mitchell's hot sauce. See, <laughs> well, we're going to cut that out. Yeah. Sounds, mu- sounds mucky. <laughs> well, surprise, surprise. Tonight we're going to make that come true. <laughs> <laughs> I think there'd be little, because he's got a really hot, like, wispy beard. I wonder if you just find little strands. He has this, a like, hot beard. beard. <laughs> wispy. Okay, <laughs> but there's a couple of films playing at the festival. I know we've talked about Mark. That one of them you want to see, Electric Boogaloo. I cannot wait for that. Which I have seen. Yeah. That's about the history of Canon Films, and it's insane. They're the people that made the Master of the Universe movie. They made Superman Four. Uh, they call them the house that Chuck built because they made a bunch of Chuck Norris films that kept them in business. <laughs> it does not get better than that. Well, Superman 4 intrigues me because I'm a massive Superman fan. Like, the Christopher Reeve movies are what made me do what I do for a living. Mm. And uh, I love the fact that they, they kind of ruined the whole franchise. Like, there's some... <laughs> it's it's Always pleasure as well. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I love is the con they pulled on poor Christopher Reeve where they said, hey, you can write the movie, you know, like, we know you're really clever, you write the film, and you're going to have a $100 million budget or something and he shows up and it's like 10p they've got and they, they had to film it in Milton Keynes instead of New York because they didn't have the money for the flights yeah, it, to it New was, York it was right everything. at the end of their story there was uh, they made um, Over the Top and Superman 4 at yeah. about the same time and they paid Stallone 10 million dollars <laughs> which came from the Superman budget oh. and so when you watch the film they use the same stock footage of Superman flying towards the screen 
with all these different backgrounds throughout the film. <laughs> it's embarrassing when you see them back to back. The villain, like, think you had Terrence Stamp, you had Gene Hackman, the Oscar winners and the other ones, and the guy, Mark Pillow, who played Nuclear Man, was a Chippendale. <laughs> he was one of the Chippendales. <laughs> I don't know, there's, there's not a lot of threat from a man who has Pillow in his name. Yeah. <laughs> but another documentary that I don't know if it's on your radar that's playing at the festival is Jodorowsky's Dune which is up there with the best documentaries I've ever seen. Do you really? know anything yeah. about it? No, I, I just know of these plans. But I don't yeah, know he's that. this surrealist director who, who spent about 10 years trying to bring Dune to the screen in the, in the mid-70s. And um, his, I mean, it's amazing it didn't get made. His script was for a 14-hour movie. <laughs> so it's weird that didn't get made. Can you imagine um, turning that in? Like, um, I've gone a bit weird with this one. Like, that looks really big, mate. <laughs> but Pink Floyd agreed to do the music, and his cast... Uh, was Salvador Dali, Orson Welles, David Carradine, Gloria Swanson and Mick Jagger. Trouble. <laughs> Trouble. That's insane, isn't it? And Mike Reed from EastEnders. And Mike Reed from EastEnders. Uh, but the, the amazing thing about it is he had H.R. Giger doing the designs for it, Dan O'Bannon doing the special effects, and when it all fell apart, because they made friends with each other, they went on and made Alien together, as did some of the other people. And you see, they show you the sketches that yeah. Jodorowsky did for the movie, uh, there's Terminator scenes in it. There's Star Wars because it went around all the studios. Everyone nicked everything he did. Is that all in the documentary? It's all in the yeah. documentary. You see these pictures and it's like, well, that's that's from Star Wars. Yeah. They just yeah. everyone else stole it. Wow. So it's sad, but it's also quite inspiring because well, it's he, 14 hours long. There's a lot in there they can steal, <laughs> isn't there? <laughs> but yeah, I recommend those two. And also, uh, Fright Fest is going on this weekend. So mm. if you're in the Glasgow vicinity, check it out. Um, Eli Roth produced a movie called Clown about an evil clown, <laughs> uh, which. Is weird. Um, yeah, I love you. Also, like it's fright fest. It's a clown, evil clown, not nice clown. No. So you know. <laughs> and there's a really good documentary about the making of the Blair Witch Project, which I thoroughly recommend. That sounds like the most sort of like I don't know. That's that's pop eating itself, isn't it? When there's, yeah. a, when there's a documentary on the Blair Witch Project. Be like, yeah, we got loads of uh, footage that we shot while we were making it. Like, yeah, I know, we watched it. <laughs> you had <There's>, two cameras. <laughs> there's got to be a terrible incident that happens to the people who made the documentary about yeah. the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> Cannibals, yeah, like Immigration Street. So yeah. I want to, I want to get, I want to get the audience on side early on, Mark. So okay. let's talk about Scottish movies. Okay. What is your favourite Scottish movie of all time? I would say it has to be, and I'm sure everybody in here, put your hands up if you've seen Gregory's Girl. Ah. Oh. You guys have seen it? I don't oh, know. How were you allowed to watch this? <laughs> I used to work in Woolworths, so it was always like the one you could buy for two ninety nine. Well, they right. always had it on. Um, I've seen Gregory's Two Girls as well. Gregory's Two Girls is amazing. Is that the ones on Red Tube for free? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, one Gregory, Two Girls. <laughs> Gregory's Two Girls, for anybody who hasn't seen it, is, is the follow-up to it. I've where, never seen that. You, no, it's a real I didn't even know it exists. With John Gordon Sinclair still playing Gregory, but as a teacher. teacher and yeah. the charm of the first one is that he's a schoolboy who's in love with a girl in his class yeah. and fancies her. The second one still he's a teacher who's in love with a girl in his class. <laughs> Wait, That's it's got a different vibe, right? Yeah. Different vibe. <laughs> there's, there's nothing charming about that, is there? Weirdly it didn't go down so well, you know. Yeah. So Gregory's girl. Gregory's girl's fantastic. So did you have a crush on um well, which girl do you have a crush on in that film? Ne- neither of them, actually. Oh, okay. No, no, Gregory. Gregory, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they seem more like friends to me, I don't know. Yeah. You know but, like, yeah. uh, but I really, I loved it, and I think what I loved about it was, it was the idea was, it was something I saw in a cinema 
but it was Scottish. Yeah. And it, that mm. blew my mind. I mean, I saw it when I was about 10. It was on with Life of Brian. And I sneaked into Life of Brian because somebody in school said it had full frontal nudity in it, right? <laughs> and I was only 10, and I was like, I, I want to see what yeah. this is like. <laughs> and we sneaked in, and we saw Gregory's girl at the same time. Yeah. And I just, I, it blew my mind, because John Wayne or Clint Eastwood or whatever, you know, was on the big screen. Yeah. To, so he, somebody with a Cumbernauld accent. Just, yeah. it, it seemed incredible. And suddenly that bridge to Hollywood just seemed a little bit closer, didn't it, you know? Yeah, yeah I'm saying that to English yeah. people, what am I saying, you know? But, <laughs> no, no, I'm Welsh, I, I, all I had was Twin Town. <laughs> but, but, but around that time, it was kind of, you had Local Hero, which is another classic, but that's not yeah. aimed at you. That, that yeah. Gregory's Girl was aimed at you. Exactly, it was like X-Men without mutants, because it was all at a school, it was great, you know? So. Uh, Dan, what's yours? So I was thinking about this on the train, so... Um, Were you train spotting? No. Bit obvious there, Chris. And so I was going to say a recent movie, Under the Skin, which I only saw last year. I saw it. Um, I didn't see it at the cinema. I saw it when it... A special screener, so under a train station. It was not what? ideal conditions. It was crap. Was this on your phone? <laughs> 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 I illegally downloaded it's not a special it. Screen, <laughs> it's what Miller told me to. So it's great. It's illegally download. Watch it wherever you want. Um, it's a really interesting movie, and... I've learned more about it since that a lot of the scenes were kind of slightly improv and people were put upon and, and yeah. like Scott Hansen turned up and said do you want to lift in my car and people were acting really awkward with her yeah. and it's really surreal scenes like when the kind of sl- strange sexual fantasies happen some really impressive kind of Sounds weird. Like I'm gonna say Phil something really Lewis. rude there. I was on about the way it was staged, but now it makes me sound like a pervert. Yeah, brilliant. Um, Do you yeah. know she was in her neck of the woods when she was filming that, and she was in her local shop and roots and fruits and all that kind of stuff. It was quite exciting because oh. there was a rumor that somebody saw it at the the BP garage. Mm. We're like, no way. Well, <laughs> and then there was this film six months later. Can we go back? Like, is there something called Roots and Fruits? That's, that's a What's shop in the West End. That's it's, like, it's like a fruit shop. Mm. You know, so. It's like when I, at university, I went to my local um, corner shop and I saw Roy Keane buying a can of Fanta. <laughs> and I was really, I was like, it's not Roy Keane, it is Roy Keane because he was manager of Sunderland at the time. I was really worried he was going to headbutt me. <laughs> and he didn't. There's nothing yeah. more exciting than seeing famous people doing, doing things that now ordinary people yeah, do. Yeah, you know? Like, t- look, one of my friends saw Nick Cage in Bath like he lived yeah. quite near Nick Cage when he lived in Bath and he saw him buying some washing up liquid in Bath yeah, yeah. and I, I'd never even considered Nick Cage washing up before yeah. and then I thought he must yeah I he has to I drove he's not from, that decadent <laughs> he's like yeah. pinning everything I drove from Aberystwyth where I went to uni all the way down to Bath to watch Nick Cage turn the Christmas lights on in that, Bath yeah, like, year, yeah. spent so much money doing that just to see a man just go you talk about celebs doing the mundane but I, I guess drinking a pint is kind of mundane in an empty pub in the middle of the afternoon but um, you know Jason Fleming don't yeah. you so he, he used to own a pub in Battersea maybe he had a pub and him and uh, Brad Pitt got off work on Benjamin Button early one day so they went to the pub empty just drinking and these two student, uh, female students came in, one of whom was obsessed with Brad Pitt. She saw him at the bar, yeah. absolutely lost it, um, started hyperventilating, <laughs> screaming, almost passing out. And Jason said it was the weirdest thing he saw because she kind of fell to the floor. Brad ran over to her and was kind of holding her, cradling her, oh. and saying, calm down, calm down, I know it's me. Making it it's worse. Me. <laughs> Making it worse. <laughs> Made it worse. <laughs> Making it worse. She died. <laughs> Made it worse. But they, they like calmed her down, got her some water, she calmed down and got a drink and then did a photo with her and went back to their pint. And Jason said, that was weird. And, and Pitt was like, yeah, you'd be surprised. It happens quite a lot. <laughs> Imagine going through life like that. Having to uh, save it's hard. All the it's time. hard. <laughs> yeah. uh, Gav, have you got a favourite Scottish movie? Does Wicker Man count? 
Because yeah, we weren't sure about this. Yeah, yeah. Wickerman count. Yeah, yeah. 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 Criteria. Well, yeah. that's mine. Then no, that's mine. Then oh. counts. Now well, go on, go on. Go on. <laughs> I think Wickerman. Yeah, I think because seeing it at a really young age, thinking I have no idea what's going on, and I think it was one of the only times that, as a kid, I was just. My mum was just like, yeah, go on, you can watch that if you want. And they, they, I think, because I was born in 1985, so I'm not like, you know, I wasn't born in like the 60s or anything like that. But we're, I don't think my mum or dad ever watched what I was watching. Like, I was watching, like, because I now that I've got a niece and we talk about the stuff that she's not allowed to watch. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, can we watch The Lost Boys? She's, my sister's like, she can't watch The Lost Boys. Like, we were watching Lost Boys like when we were like seven years old. Because it's the word boy in it. Yeah. It's like, it sounds like it's a kid's exactly, film. Exactly, yeah. The same yeah. thing, yeah. off. Anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody who's under 30 almost certainly saw Robocop when they were exactly, five. Yeah. And as an uncle yeah. or a grand yeah. or something said, oh, you'll love Robocop, it's, it looks good, you know, yeah. it's fun, you know. My dad took me to the... It. And it's got, th- it's got three traumatic scenes, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Like a melting man and when he's, <laughs> yeah. you know, the Jesus Christ no, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad took me to the cinema in Pontypridd to see Terminator 2. Like, we just walked in. This is like, <laughs> all right, yeah, it's a good one, it's it. That is a phenomenon. Like, my dad was super laid back. Like, he yeah. allowed me... Um, my mum does listen to this podcast, but he allowed me to bunk off school on a Friday once, and we went to the video shop and we rented loads of Nightmare on Elm Streets. Mm. I was devastated that Nightmare on Elm Street 2 was corrupted. Yeah. The tape was all mangled, but that's actually a blessing in disguise because two. Yeah. Um, the second, the second, second one's awful. Yeah, but I think uh, with with Command, that's what I'm trying to say is like that was the only time where because I was allowed to watch anything where I watched something and I was like I shouldn't be watching this. Yeah, that's exciting. I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. yeah. So no one said shallow grave or train spotting. Uh, and I wasn't either, but I think I should because they are. It's a brilliant double bill. Yeah, They're fantastic yeah. films. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, you'll remember this, Mark. Like at the time, we didn't have films for us because Scorsese was older than us. Yeah. He was beyond our generation. Tarantino came along, changed everything, mm-hmm. and we had nothing in the UK. And then suddenly, Shallow Grave came along by this new director, and it kind of blew our minds. This was like this could be our Tarantino. And then he followed it up with Train Spotting, and it just felt like. The, the British interest, film industry is more exciting than the American, and yeah. then just it didn't. We didn't kick on. I don't know. I think British film prior to that, for about ten years, really was rubbish. It was always things about minor strikes and your brass bands and all that, wasn't it? I mean, it was real garbage. Anybody Kitchen sink dramas, horrible. Yeah, and it was stuff you would never pay to go and see. But the, I don't know. Guy Ritchie came along and Matthew well, Vaughan and all Guy was guys, great. You know, the first yeah. couple of guys, well, Matthew Vaughan, you're biased. He makes your movies. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the adaptations of my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Those are his best work. <laughs> but I was going to say, I was going to say a really old film called I Know Where I'm Going. Have you seen that one? Paul and Pressburger. It's set on in the Hebrides and on kind of the island of Mull, but it's actually a mystical island that doesn't exist. But Paul and Pressburger are some of my favourite filmmakers, and it's kind of it's a romantic comedy that's really interesting and really out there. And considering it was made in the 40s, it's it could have been made yesterday. It's I'm going so to blow your minds. We have Paul and Pressburger fact, right? That's not often it. you'll hear this, but. <laughs> You know Andrew McDonald, who produced Trainspotting and Shallow Grave? His grandfather. Did you know that? I knew that. All right, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but, but loads of people don't. <laughs> yeah. And for Do the they... purpose of the podcast, I should have pretended I didn't. Yeah. I'm, profe- but let's, let's I'm professional. Again, we'll Honest. <laughs> so what, what's the film called? I know where I'm going. Do they test soil? <laughs> no. It's not the test soil podcast, Dan. No, I'm <laughs> telling you that. <laughs> There must be one. There must be a farming podcast, isn't there? There's got yeah. to be this stuff, you know, where, yeah. where yeah. people are talking about the difference between Soil John Weekly. and Zeta tractors. So, and it's actually like interesting because the category that we're putting on iTunes is um, games, and hobbies. games and hobbies. Yeah. So our biggest nemesis is not, not Giant Bomb and GameSpot and all this. It's 
Gardeners Weekly. Gardeners, Gardeners, <laughs> Gardeners Weekly. Yeah, Gardeners Well. It's us against them each yeah. week. So Titchmarsh, come we'll come you. for you. <laughs> <laughs> so Mark, I want to take you back. Okay. We've got you here. Uh, when you were a kid, yeah. were you DC or Marvel? It depends what period in my life actually. Like, uh, how many? Uh, put your hands up if you read comics here. That's a reasonable number. Hands up if you meet, read Mark Miller comics. <laughs> oh, that number's what gone way down. It's gone way. You can't see that's, it. You can't see more people it. than read comics. Who <laughs> wouldn't put their it's hands not. up? It's, it's, it's not. But like you've, you've got um, like Marvel fans and DC fans as like Celtic and Rangers. But I, I was yeah. like Mo Johnson. You know, I, I started off <laughs> as a DC, as a Marvel guy, and then I became a DC guy. You okay. know, non-football and, fans ain't getting that one. <laughs> yeah. But there's it, it's it's amazing though because like uh, as a kid. Stan Lee made one appearance on Pebble Mill, right, which is this show that probably most people in here won't remember, but it was like This Morning, you know, just a really crap uh, daytime TV show. It made This Morning look exciting for yeah. Hollywood, didn't it? It was from Birmingham, nice. it was live from Birmingham, and I used to think, oh, this is, Birmingham must be amazing, this seems great, you know? And, like, uh, and they had uh, Stan Lee as a guest one day, and he literally came over when I was seven. He appeared on Pebble Mill. My mum let me take the day off school to watch it because Stan Lee was on Pebble Mill. And all my friends did the same. We all saw Stan Lee, and we all became Marvel fans. And it's so weird that Stan was probably like, oh, this shit that we're doing now, Pebble Mill. You know, but, and yet he influenced the whole generation. Kind of like David Bowie on Top of the Pops in the 70s. It was Stan Lee on Pebble Mill in the <laughs> Have you ever met him and told him that story? Uh, I did, actually, yeah. I mean, Stan, Stan has been like my guru you know like yeah. I met him in person when I was about 18 okay. and then when I was in my I don't know maybe 32 or something I spoke mm. to him on the phone I interviewed him for a magazine and he, he was the guy who said to me you should stop doing Marvel characters and create your own characters genuinely yeah. it was like a life changing moment he said I didn't do you know DC characters like Batman and Superman and everything I created the Marvel Universe yeah. and it was the most inspiring thing it was like a Tony Robbins talk or something on the phone <laughs> and I just went off and sort of changed my life after talking to him so Stan's like my god you know that's awesome. So it was DC for one time, then Marvel for another. It yeah. kind of... Yeah, I started Marvel, and then once with the Stan Lee stuff, and then I flipped to DC. What was the reason for the segue? The flip was Superman the movie. I saw Superman the movie, which is a prequel to Superman 4. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I, I, I saw that when I was nine, and I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. And I, I, I made a career plan to be a superhero, like yeah. genuinely, when I, when I saw that film. And how did that pan out? Worked out pretty good. <laughs> what, what was the plan? What was the plan made up of? Oh, th- this is true. I mean, like, whenever I, I was, from I was about nine till I was about 13, my friends and I were going to be like Batman or something. And that's where Kick Ass came from. That's where the idea came from. Because mm. three of us at school, two of us, one fell by the wayside, but two of us went to karate every week and we would go to weightlifting. And I just mean really similar. Plan, I, I, wrote, I wrote a letter to our local police um, department saying, I will protect the streets of Blackburn if you give me a mini motorcycle and a helmet with a cool design. Do you get it? No. <laughs> Not interested. Black, Black Black Council Black... struck it down, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. Awkward. So, you read that. <laughs> and don't you have, do you have Christian Reeves' cape or am I making that up? No, that's true. That's I've got two, two pieces of memorabilia from, uh, from Superman. I have Christopher Reeves' cape, which I bought in an online auction about 10 years ago. And I've got the cat that Superman saves from the tree in Superman the movie. Now dead. <laughs> oh. But some opportunistic bastard, you know, like had it stuffed because it was a famous cat. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was always a real cat? Yeah, it's a real cat. And they had his stuff yeah. and you bought it. Yeah, I mean, you see the cat's crawling and all that, like over Superman in the film, and it's like, Frisky, come down from there, that moment, you know? And like Superman flies and gets amazing. the cat, and I- then the cat dies, somebody stuffs it, it's on eBay. 
and it's now sitting on my so piano. So does it come with a certificate? <laughs> I've got a certificate yeah. of authenticity that this is a cat, you know, so. Do you mind if we ask how much you pay for this cat? Yeah, how much is your pussy? <laughs> uh, the cat, I paid $500, oh, which was 300 pounds. Right. So it's not bad. You yeah. know, yeah. It's like, weird, if I'm honest. It's weird. Well, have that's you got, a cool bit of memorabilia. Have you, got, yeah. have you got a lot of memorabilia? No, well, I actually planned to start a, a memorabilia collection because I thought, yeah. wouldn't it be cool if the house was like filled with interest in memorabilia? Yeah. And I've only got those two things. <laughs> and that was about 10 years ago. Do you take them home and your wife was like, this is a really nice hobby you've got. It's like, got this dead cat. Right, you're not doing it anymore. No. <laughs> the cape's all right. The cape can stay, but the cat. So where's, so, where's it's the It's like cape? psycho, isn't it? It's like psycho. I've just yeah. got a dead cat. You know, dead, dead Adam West. You know, That's so. what you should start doing, just, just getting why, why dead all, animals. Why's all these things? holes in yeah. the walls? Um, where's, the, where's the cape? The cat's the, on the piano. The cape's framed. The cape's actually framed, oh, you know, wow. and like uh, it's hanging up. It looks like I've killed Superman. I'm some big game hunter. <laughs> Superman's, <laughs> Superman was taken down. Yeah. That's Superman's cape. That's his cat. Um, <laughs> go for Lois Lane there. Come for Lana. Margot Kidder got away. Yeah. <laughs> I nicked her. <laughs> uh, do you have a favourite comic writer and artist of all time? Uh, for me, it would have to be two guys. I almost cannot choose. It's like your mum and your dad, but it's Alan Moore and Frank Miller because they were the guys who kind of... That was the baptism for me, you know, when I read Watchmen and Dark Knight and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Just at the age I would have been getting out of it, I got so back in it, you know, yeah. like I was in fifth and sixth year at school. And it was one of those things, I don't know if guys in here have had the same thing, where you pass it around all your friends. Yeah. Like, I was so impressed. And even people who weren't into it, I'd be like, just give it a try. It's yeah, so good, yeah. you know? And Miller and Moore just had that. They, they owned the 80s for me. Yeah. Have, you, have you got in, any interesting stories about interactions with either of them? Because they're both quite interesting characters. Yeah. Moore? Uh, well, do you know the thing? It's funny, because Moore's been quite reclusive for people who don't know. He's a guy who created V for Vendetta, Watchmen, all that kind of stuff. And he sort of disappeared off the scene around about the time I came in, around about the time I was 19. I can't help but feel it's slightly related to you. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, uh, he's a really interesting guy. I heard he's got a house that's 100 miles inland and he's called his house Sea View. And I thought, that's, I immediately loved him when I heard that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, so he, he was like a massive inspiration. And Frank Miller, who's, who's amazing as well. For people yeah. who don't know, Frank Miller pioneered everything in, mm. in comics, like from the format the books appear in to the deals that we get. Like, I mean, historically see if you created something if I'd created Kickass or something 30, 40 years ago it would be owned by a massive corporation and I'd have been lucky to get a ticket to yeah. the premiere genuinely the guys who created Superman were penniless you know they died of nothing so, so it's amazing guys like Frank Miller paved the way for ungrateful yeah. guys like me the next generation to come in and reap the rewards of it yeah. we're going like massively because we, like instead of Batman when I was growing up Daredevil was my guy like, the, the Miller stuff like all the stuff and we, yeah. like, and we grew up on like you know, when we were teenagers, like Marvel Knights from Bendis, Brubaker, later I cannot wait to yeah. tell Bendis that you were a teenager. I know. Whenever you were reading this stuff. Oh, How yeah. old are you now? Um, 28. Right. Yeah. I actually I'll had to think it. about that. I actually yeah. think about it. Like, like, oh, yeah. I'm 40 and three quarters. Um, <laughs> but we've been having like a big conversation about whether or not Man Without Fear is better than Dark Knight. And I, I think, man, I go for Man Without Fear. The, the one that Johnny Romita drew? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah it's John Romita genius. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dark Knight was so revolutionary at its time. Yeah. Like, never, yeah. even Batman had only been Adam West Batman up yeah, until that yeah, point. Yeah. So it was so revolutionary where you'd probably seen the Tim Burton movies and things by the time you, you read it. I think I probably did, yeah. 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 I mean, at, at the time, it was just, it was like a firecracker that just mm. passed through the industry. It was amazing. So good. Yeah. Do you have, obviously, you love the original Superman motion picture. Mm. Do you have a favourite um, movie adaptation of a comic book? And you're not allowed to say kick ass, because I know you will. If you can. <laughs> Kings, Kingsman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I, w- I would say it probably is the first Superman movie. Like the thing that's amazing, right, for anybody in here who's got children, what I love doing with my children is getting them obsessed with things that I was obsessed with. And I've got three daughters, yeah. and they know everything about Superman. It's that's amazing, good. you know. And my three-year-old, when she was two and a half started watching the Superman movies every morning. Yeah. We got up about half five, which I'm not that happy about. This is the bit, that's the sad bit. We got up yeah. about half past five every morning and we stick on usually Superman one, two, three, four, or <laughs> yeah. Supergirl, right? And like my three-year-old's obsessed with it. She sits and watches it every morning. And it's given me a whole new appreciation of it because I, I watch it through her eyes. Like every time something happens, she goes, <gasps> and looks around yeah. that, even though she watches it every morning, you know? Yeah. So, but they are such good movies. And I, I just can't imagine people watching Man Did of Steel. Did you say Supergirl and Superman four are great? movies do you know because they like them you can look see when you're yeah, a parent yeah. it's weird you can love something by sure. osmosis yeah and because your kids like this is amazing you're like this is amazing yeah. like i took my <laughs> oldest daughter to see fantastic four when it came out and fantastic four is crap right like the, yeah. the first one we've all seen it but she was loving it right she was really young my oldest kid and yeah. she actually held my hand in the fight with dr doom at the end and she leaned over and she said dad Thanks for taking me to see this. This is the best film I've ever Aww. seen. Aww. And suddenly it went from a sort of cinema score D minus kind of thing yeah. up to like an A plus. And now I think, oh, that was an all right film. You, know? you didn't turn around and go, no, it's not. Shut up. Get in the car. We're going to watch Superman one. <laughs> There's so many continuity glitches in this movie. Actually, <laughs> so what's your take? You like, just mentioned it briefly. Then Man of Steel. What yeah. do you think of that movie? Uh, it's a weird one, isn't it? Like yeah. I went to see, it especially because they're building a lot of stuff on top of that next. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny. I think it feels slightly misjudged. I don't want to slag anybody yeah. off because a few of my friends worked on the film, mm. and um, but it's weird. I went to see it yeah. like uh, on Father's Day. It came out the, the Thursday before Father's Day, and I waited till the Sunday, and we went as a gang, and I came out of it really sad. And it was weird, you know, spoilers, but you know Superman snaps the guy's neck at the yeah. end and everything. And you think, hang on a minute, you know? And like, you come out of the movie... Just like put his hand over his Superman eyes. Should yeah. Be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Superman should be a series of rescues that makes you feel fantastic. Yeah. And you come out of it. Batman avenges people, Superman rescues people. So, so there's a, you didn't even know why you came out of it feeling sad. Yeah. But you kind of came out of the film thinking, oh... It was a kind of downer when you should yeah. have come out like, feeling great. We, we've yeah. talked before about a positivity in the Marvel films. Yeah. It's not happening with the DC movies at the moment. The DC yeah. films feel as if they're from 2005. You know, mm. they feel like they're trying to take themselves seriously to mm. appeal to a mainstream audience. Yeah. Where Marvel have fought that battle. Since 2008, since Iron Man, Marvel have just said, look, just enjoy yourselves yeah. and have a good time. And DC, I think, should be even brighter than the Marvel stuff, you know? So I don't know, it feels, it feels like a slight misfire, this Could, DC stuff. But it can correct itself, you know, yeah. as time goes on. Well, you, were you, you were a part of the team that Marvel kind of put together for the Iron Man movie back yeah. in, like, the late 2000s. Yeah. Um, were, were you conscious of that even back then? You're saying that the DC movies feel like from the, uh, 10 years ago. Were you like, we, we should like, be more true to the source material? What were the kind of objectives that you had going into Actually, the Iron Man project? There, there pretty much were no DC movies yeah. at the time. Like, I, I went to those meetings 2006, 2007, and I. Yeah, so it begins meetings. like yeah, two thousand. So, so Batman yeah, begins yeah, like, just around, around just around. That but time. people forget Batman Begins didn't do enormously well. Mm. Batman Begins made I think three hundred and ninety-one million, right? Which for the amount of money that they spent on it just broke even by the time you count ticket sales and things you know like half and for the distributors so Batman Begins wasn't like it was Dark Knight before it really caught fire so Marvel weren't even looking at DC Marvel just had their own plan they were looking at X-Men and Spider-Man which had both done incredibly well so Marvel was it was actually really ballsy Marvel when you think about it like Hulk and Iron Man nobody had heard of Iron Man you know like I was the only guy for 100 miles that knew Tony Stark was Iron Man (laughs) growing up you know so like um, what they did was they borrowed I think 500 million or something They, they got a war chest of 500 million 
brilliant to start making movies, hoping that it worked out all right. Yeah. Which is quite brave, isn't it? You know? And they they put they put two hundred million into Iron Man. Yeah. I mean who who would have thought? And Robert Downey Jr., who was really kind of back then the it's least really, it's like almost yeah. easy to yeah. forget. Yeah. yeah, where we were back And then. I remember people were talking about Clive Owen at the time as well. I don't know how many people know this, but Clive Owen is who they'd been talking about for Iron Man. Really? I in the early meetings. And can you imagine how different history would be if Clive Owen had yeah. been Iron Man? It's quite a different... Tom Cruise spent years as well. Yeah, well, yeah. He was, yeah. was very interested in long time, Iron Man. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he's got the cockiness, but... He'd he would been brilliant. Yeah, I, mean, I think he would have been a good Iron Man. I was involved in those Tom Cruise ones for like one week. It was back in about 2003 or something. I ended up doing some... It was, it was just phone calls. Yeah. And they were talking about bringing me in to do a draft of okay. it then when it was over at New Line. And, um, and it sounded good, but their idea was to do it more like James Bond. The Iron Man was a guy who yeah. worked for the okay. government. So he, he right. was kind of the bad Agent guy. Shield, he was, yeah. he, mm. Well, he was a weapons manufacturer yeah. who put on his own suit and went in and took right, care of okay. bad situations kind of thing. I don't know if I should be saying this. I probably signed some non-disclosures. There's <laughs> <laughs> like a red dot on your head. <laughs> if you're watching this on the podcast, please stop now. Yeah. <laughs> now we won't tell anyone. Yeah. Mm. Um, so a big change happening in the Marvel Universe soon is uh, the storyline Civil War. Yeah. You wrote Civil War, Mark. It's <laughs> very exciting. That's pretty awesome. It's exciting for me, actually. Like, I, I, love, I love the idea of seeing like, Downey Jr. facing off against Chris Evans. And yeah. all that. You know, I think that'll be really exciting to see on screen. Because, like, I mean, I didn't even think about a movie when I was doing the comic. I wrote it yeah. back in 2006 or right, something. You know? that, yeah. So it's, it's a while back. And the last thing you imagine when you're sitting doing your book mm. generally is... Downey Jr. or whatever is going to be, going to be in this. And even now, time. even now when you're writing comics, do you even... You I never yeah. think of the movie, never think of the movie. I think it would be too distracting. It would be like writing something and thinking, this would be an amazing beach towel yeah. or something. You know, like, you, just, you can't think of it anything other than what you're doing. Even yeah. when I was writing Kick-Ass 3 and Aaron and Chloe had played those parts in the film, yeah. I never saw it as Aaron and Chloe. I really? just saw it as the, the cartoon characters, yeah. you know, the, the drawings. Like Ultimates, like I'm a, I'm a massive, massive Ultimate, Ultimates fan and that is just peppered and layered with so many film references and so yeah. many like the characters all look like you know there's that scene where they're all sitting around going yeah. you know they're bored and they're like who would play us in a Hollywood <laughs> movie sort of thing even when you're writing that do you honestly think you just like I just always see it as a that's comedy, amazing you know? yeah. Yeah. but I mean I'll make references to film or I'll make yeah, references to games or other books and things like that but, yeah. but I don't know I think like I see it as such a different medium. I don't even really see myself as a film guy. Mm. I kind of go holidays into film. Like I go and do meetings in Hollywood and things like that. But I see myself primarily as a comic yeah. guy who visits the movie sets and sits in the edit room and everything. Yeah. But my, I see my job as a comic guy. But with, with Civil War, um, wasn't it wasn't it like the most the best selling Marvel title of the last twenty years or something? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. I think it's, it's actually the best selling for 18 years 18 which doesn't years. sound as good as 20 years I'm still available <laughs> nearly 20 years I mean I only said that because you texted it to me when I was coming up on the trailer <laughs> uh, that's true um, but um, do you have any visibility on the movie or is it just something that you've left behind and it, it's, their, it's their baby it's now? just there to, there to play with like I mean they, they use stuff from comics in the films you know mm. so like Ultimates obviously made its way into Avengers yeah. and Captain America and things because um, well, you I mean you put Samuel Jackson pretty much as Nick Fury, right? That was well, you? I, I did the African-American yeah. Nick Fury, you know. Um, but uh, my, my friend, the artist on the book, Brian Hitch, yeah. I'd had it as a, a Morgan Freeman kind of looking Brian Drew okay, as, yeah. uh, in the first appearance and Brian Drew more as Sam Jackson. Mm. And the weird thing was what we didn't realise is Sam Jackson read comics. Really? Which is quite odd because... 
we thought, oh, Sam Jackson will never see this. And yet, yet his face has been used every month in this comic. He's like, right, I won't sue you, but I want to be in every single one of the films. <laughs> he's, he's ended up signing a nine-picture deal, you know, so he was delighted. That's awesome. Because if you don't know, the narrator is The Flash, by the way. I interviewed him, asked him what his favourite character is. Sam Jackson? Yeah. Really? yeah. I interviewed him, he t- terrified me. Yeah. Uh, but his favourite character is The Flash, even though he's a Marvel fan, his favourite character is The Flash. I've got to ask the audience, what age do you think Sam Jackson is? Shout out random numbers. Seventy. <laughs> <laughs> he, went, he went in high. Sixty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> he looks fantastic. Sixty-seven. He looks younger than me. I couldn't believe it. I, 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 we obviously yeah. saw him on uh, on Kingsman, wow. but he's like he's like a vegan and all that sort of stuff. He's he's in the most incredible wow. shape, yeah. and he, he moves like a teenager or something. I mean, Winter Soldier, you never think that. Do you no. know? Wow. Uh, if he was a Scottish guy, he'd be nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with Civil War though what do you think they could you speculate as to what they might change or have to change or you think they'll change to turn it into the next Captain America movie which is what it's going to be um, I don't think they'll have to change much especially now they've got Spider-Man you know, now Spider-Man yeah because that's what I was going to ask yeah. you what, what, what are your feelings about Spider-Man it's rejoining the MCU character in that story well it's funny because you think it, people kept saying to me they can't do Civil War without Spider-Man but in the actual book Spider-Man only appears in about six pages because yeah. the rumour was for a long time that Black Panther was going to kind of fill in for that kind of role that was yeah. the rumour going around anyway well, in the end, probably what they've got is um, they've got Spider-Man back, which is actually great as somebody who's kind of been a bit baffled by the last two Spider-Man films. You know, like the idea of Marvel getting it back does feel like coming home a little bit Definitely. for the character, doesn't it? I mean, Marvel, it's not that they can do no wrong. I mean, Thor 2 wasn't very good and Iron Man 2 wasn't very good, you know, so they have their misfires as well. But I think Spider-Man's like the holy grail for them. They're not going to yeah. mess this up. They're going to make it great. And all eyes are on them, so they have to bring Absolutely. their A game to it, you know? Yeah. I, I, having recently read Civil War, on the train up. Um, it's amazing how many... <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Um, how many characters, though? You, you was, was that tough to write with all these disparate characters? It was honestly a nightmare. It was the hardest thing I've ever written. Like, there was almost no pleasure in it because what happened was I was tying in every month with 40 books, right? And if you can imagine... It's hard to write something anyway, right? It's hard to write. But to write something that you've said to 40 different creative teams, OK, right, I'm going to leave him here in this month if you can spin off from that point. And I was emailing all these writers and having to read all their scripts and everything. Jesus. And they were all messing up. Everybody was messing up. Everybody was like late with their scripts. Their book was shipping too late, giving away reveals too early and things. Yeah. Honestly, it was a nightmare. It was like juggling gas. It was, it was awful. <laughs> but like I, 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 everybody who's done one of those crossovers said it's like passing a, a yeah. very difficult stool. It's like it's one of those things that you're so relieved at the end of it. You know? Forty books, though. That's insane. Oh, it was, it was horrendous. It was, it was nine months in my life when I was writing, and I was, it was. It was lovely at the end. Yeah. I just thought, I'm glad I've done that. You know, there's only a few guys have done those big crossovers. Yeah, there's a little yeah. handful of guys who've done it. So it's nice to have done it. What was that? What was the hardest character that you had a crossover with? Uh, oh, there were so many books I hated that I had to read. Really? And it's really hard. Like, I don't know if you... Uh, you know, like, homework, you know, where you have to watch a documentary yeah, that yeah. you don't... You're not interested in it. It was a bit like that, but I had to read people's books. I'd and and literally, oh. just for cameos, isn't it? Someone yeah. coming in, delivering two lines, and then... Oh, it was a nightmare. Being off screen. You know? And I'd even have somebody smiling at somebody, and they would say, oh, they would never smile at them, like, in the background. It says, Jesus. because in Marvel team-up issued 48 in 1979, yeah. you know? And... and I had to get everything checked and, and it could change entire stories. Did they have a couple of people you could speak to because yeah. we recently had yeah. Gary Witter um, on the podcast who yeah. you're working with now 
And yeah, he was saying he's writing the next Star Wars spin-off movie, the first one. Yeah. That, that he just, you know, every day he'd go to these two people down the corridor at yeah. Lucasfilm who, yeah. who know everything, this encyclopedic knowledge. Yeah. And is it the same with uh, Marvel? Marvel had two guys. There was Ralph Macchio and Tom Brevier. Ralph's retired now. Uh, what, the dude from Karate Kid? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And uh, Tom Brevier has read every single Marvel comic, which is amazing. Yeah. So you would phone him up and say, hey, how does Captain America feel about the Falcon's niece or something? Yeah. And, and he knows. That's amazing. That's awesome. They're yeah. doing so much like normal stuff in there as well. Is it kind of stuff like, how would Captain America hold his coffee cup? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we're going to get a new Spider-Man. Yeah. Who do you think should play the new Spider-Man? They're talking- Taron Egerton. I kind of knew you'd say that. Nobody knows who he is. He's the guy from Kingsman, by the way. The guy from Kingsman, which is obviously Mark's film. But also, I'm in total agreement. He's Welsh. Just get him in. I'm I'm not biased, but he has all the attributes, I would say. Wales needs that money. Let's see that tax money. We've had a Welsh Batman. Welsh Batman, yeah. I think Christian Bale should have played him Welsh. Definitely. It'd have been better than the voice he did. What would a Welsh Batman be like Really chilled out. <laughs> it's like jokes over here. Nah, we'll be alright. <laughs> the back cave would be a lockup. Yeah. Gotham's gone to shit. Like, what do you think Taron would bring to that role, though? Uh, I don't know. He's just my pal. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm pimping him. Yeah. So unhelpful. So unhelpful. There was a rumor going around that he was linked with um, Han Solo recently as well. I love the idea of that. He can do anything. Yeah. I don't know. He's, he's just great. Cool, he is great in that movie. Do you know, yeah, somebody yeah. appears who's good yeah. and then they get and talked about forever. Because he was like yeah. Cyclops rumours, even if that yeah. wasn't even credible. But, just but, like, but Spider-Man with the good, age yeah. and kind of the performance in Kingsman, it really seems to make sense to me. Yeah. 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 The kind of attitude, the cockiness, mm. the, the comedy timing, does the action, he's likeable, he's charming. My favourite Twitter thing I saw today, actually, was bring back Tobey Maguire for Spider-Man. Oh, no. And I, lo- I love the idea that it's still in high school, but Tobey Maguire. Year, yeah. Just yeah. Be, like, you remember that guy, Brandon Lee, that creepy guy who pretended he was 16 and went back to school in Bear's Den? Do you remember yeah. that? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see it like that. But <laughs> also, also yeah, in the last Spider-Man, didn't Tobey Maguire have a very bad back and there were yeah. lots of problems on that? So he'd be a teenager who's 35, but kind 35, of popping around bad back 40. Spider-Man. Yeah. Sounds great. I thought, I, the thing is, I, it's going to be really hard because I think Andrew Garfield, for me, Nail Peter Parker. Are you I serious? Think, yeah, I thought he was really good. <laughs> I loved him as Peter Parker. I loved his Peter Parker. Let, let me dissect this. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the re- I think he's a very good actor, actually, but I'll tell mm. you why it felt so wrong from the beginning for me. Is that the journey of Spider-Man, right? Is that Peter Parker's a kind of a guy nobody likes, right? Yeah. Who gets bitten by a spider and he becomes a cool guy. Yeah. But not in real life. He has to pretend he's still an idiot, kind of thing. But he gets to dress up at night and be the cool guy. Yeah. And Peter Parker in that first film was Too already cool. going out yeah. with Emma Stone, right? At the start, he was getting off with Emma okay, Stone. Yeah, right? that's fair. So that journey, if anything, his life's going down when he gets bitten by the spider. <laughs> yeah. you know? That's why he hangs up. He's like, I can't be asked for this. I'm just going to go bang Emma Stone. <laughs> <laughs> and do a bit of skateboarding the fact that people <laughs> fancied him was immediately okay, you knew yeah, it was yeah. wrong the minute people fancied him he was the wrong guy I do understand that but I think even at, like Amazing Spider-Man like he's never when you when you see Peter Parker he's still yeah. now when he's Spider-Man he's a good looking guy and I always associate that sort of like confidence with Peter Parker which I think Andrew Garfield really really had I don't, know. I don't know. I think you've got to go back to the origins of the character because I think yeah. it's been done so wrong so many times. But that's a nebbish quality that Peter Parker had is so integral. It's like, imagine Clark Kent being a cool guy. Yeah, it just I guess wouldn't so. be right, you know. And that's why Dean Cain's Clark Kent was so horrible as well, you know, because he was a cool guy. You know, yeah, Clark Kent's me, got to yeah. be this goofy kind of like. Yeah, I understand comedy that. Guy, yeah. You know? 
Do you think we're going to hit saturation point with these superhero movies, though? Because it's cranking up. We're going to get more and more for the next kind of five years until I think there's going to be seven or eight coming out in one year. Well, people always say that, you know, and and there never seems to be that many. I remember a few years ago people working out a graph and they said, by next year there's going to be 20 superhero movies a week coming out and all that. And it never (laughs) seems to happen. We always seem to get about four a year. They dated. I mean, DC DC and Marvel announcements. Those DC movies are never going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) So this one is never going to happen. Ezra Miller's just going to be going, so when we're shooting... I've got, right. I've got some running shoes. Let's, let's the get rock's some... like, yeah, in 2025, I'm doing Shazam. It's like, these things have years away from happening. But it's, honestly, like, it all depends on Superman versus Batman. I know, it does. Yeah. There's so much riding on it. And, 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 I mean, and they're throwing, they... every week, they're throwing a new yeah, character in. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of the Momoa um, Aquaman look that was tweeted out the other week? Uh, I don't know. Oh, it's oh. All right, you know. Uh, here's my thing with Aquaman, right? This is something I've always wondered. Is like, like, right, I'm a big fan of Little Mermaid. And the, the, the Little Mermaid makes sense, right? The Little Mermaid makes sense because she talks underwater, but it's a cartoon, so you don't mind. How's Aquaman going to talk to his pals underwater? It's like it's, in film, it's going to be really hard to do. It's going to be They're going to have around. Aquaman in Detroit or something like that. They're going to yeah, have him just walking, just walking around. around. Yeah. 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 Do you want to put a shirt on? It's winter. <laughs> They're just going to have to have like I think the water is going to be like a blue filter, and then just going to have to forget that it's actually water and there's no bubbles or anything like that. That's what we're going to have know, to do. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't know. I mean, I, the mar- I trust the market, right? Like the, the mm. audience will tell you if it's good or not, and they'll show up or they won't show up. The DC stuff, I think. Um, you know, I'm a massive fan of that stuff. I hope it does well, but I just don't see it. Like Marvel, they knew Marvel was putting out that press release yeah. with all their movies to 2018, yeah. and yeah. DC were like, "We here's our press release to 2019," you know, <laughs> and they were just making stuff up. You know, they were with just little fanfare. They did an investors <laughs> call. It was very yeah. Yeah. so. Which ones definitely aren't going to happen, Mark? I want you going on record now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think Justice League's got to happen, and Wonder Woman's got to happen because they're they're making them just yeah. so, You know, I think after that, all bets are off because it depends if they lose money on the next ones, you know? I mean, I remember everybody saying Green Lantern 2, you know, everybody plans for Green Lantern 2. And it's, I mean, the honest truth is, you know, they're really expensive. These things are really expensive. And if if the last one didn't make money, you can't throw another 200 million at these things. I hope it works for them because I love that stuff, you know, but we'll, we'll see. Do you think there's more chance of the next five Miller World projects going to production than the next five DC projects? I don't know. I know what the next five Miller World things are. You know, I mean, I know what the plan is, but I just don't know what order they're in. That's the thing. Like, it's weird. Like, one minute, you know, you're, you're told there's an actor who's going to be in something, and then suddenly he's not available, so something gets yeah. put back six months and yeah. things. So you never know. I mean, so, if all goes well, we should have two more filming by the end of so this what year. So what can I'll you tell on. us now, though? Because obviously, a lot of the comics, the the original comics that you've written, yeah. are in various states of kind of pre-production. Yeah. So what can you tell us about what is going to happen or what? you want to see happen very well, soon. It is funny because, you know, when you say something, it sounds definitive. Um, so take this all with a pinch of salt, right? But, like, well, I'll tell you the stage things that are. What we've got is, like, um, Nemesis, a book I did a few years back, has got a, a great director and a great screenplay. And, you know, that's a strong possibility as, as one coming up next. Weirdly, I did a children's <coughs> book called Kindergarten Heroes about the toddlers of superheroes. And uh, it was a really sort of fun thing I wanted to do for the kids. And uh, we've got the screenplay for that, and that looks quite quite close to, yeah. to happening as well. Then there's a thing being written at the moment called Starlight, and it's a sort of Buck Rogers kind of uh, sci-fi thing I've done mm-hmm. about an old space hero coming back for one last job. 
Uh, it's been done by the guy who did Star Wars, the Star Wars Gary Wilson. Yeah, yeah, we had him on a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, so, so there's a few things like that. You know, there's all these things that are just sort of pending. And the plan is there's two of them that look very likely towards the end of the year, you know, yeah. and probably early in the new year for the, for, for the third one, I reckon. But that could all change, you know. And what yeah. about sequels to all your films that have hit the screen? So you've got Wanted, Kick-Ass and Kingsman now, mm. uh, all of which could, you know, go to sequels. What, what are the chances of Yeah, we made three? the mistake of tweeting a picture of me reading Kick-Ass 3 and then it's all I've had all day. It's people going, you better fucking tell him to make that No, the film. honest truth is, Kick-Ass 2 didn't make enough money. Like, yeah. Kick-Ass, again, it's, it's awful because if it was down to me, if I was like an eccentric billionaire or something, right, yeah. and I could just make them, I'd be like, yeah, do it. But like, um, <laughs> but, but you have to make a return, you know? Okay. And Kick-Ass 2 made money. Like, it, it cost 24 million, it made 60 million, then did well on DVD as well, you know? Mm. Um, but it didn't make as much as Kick-Ass 1. And when something's on a downward trajectory, you're unlikely yeah. to get, you know, it's, it's always, Matthew always says he'd like, to do a kind of hit girl spin-off first, yeah. get everybody into it, like they did with X-Men First Class, get everybody into it again, mm. and then bring it back up for Kick-Ass 3. But I don't know, you know, it's, it's one of those things that's just floating in the ether. You know? The, the Kick-Ass uh, spin-off, the hit girl one, you, you mentioned Gareth Evans to me when we spoke on camera last time, which yeah. I don't think we'd spoke, I'd spoken to you about that before, but not yeah. really on camera. Yeah. But you didn't really talk about what that idea was. Can you? Or is that something that's still kind of... It's an idea Matthew had, actually, that I think so outrageous. Yeah. I don't know if it can actually be filmed. It's like, I, I think you'd have to smuggle it into the country, kind of yeah. thing, rather than show it in a So cinema, outrageous, you know? only a Welshman could direct it. <laughs> I like that. But the, have you, any of you guys seen The Raid? This yeah. amazing action yeah. movie, The Raid, out in Indonesia. Like, Matthew wanted... Um, to set it out there because I was a big fan of the raid and I showed it to Matthew I said check this guy out he does the best action I've yeah. ever seen he's a Welshman who lives in Indonesia yeah. doing the best Asian movies you've ever seen in your life it's he directs fantastic. in a Welsh football shirt like as a, as a Welsh person watching like, when you see these images come through you're just like I think I love this man <laughs> <laughs> it's Wales well, Wales now have three people with jobs yeah. there's you there's him <laughs> and now Tarn Anderson this is amazing well, well <laughs> and we're all on the same level it's good <laughs> you know you I know there's going to be a, a Wales Yes campaign soon now. After that. <laughs> yeah, that was that's, that's really awkward, Mark, because he's got his three-month review next week. <laughs> but, but could you tell us any more about what that story would have been, or is that se- well, top secret? Matthew's still keen to do it, you know. Mm. Like, the idea is to get Gareth Evans, hopefully. Um, he's very busy, though, for the next couple of years, so I don't mm. know. Um, but to film it out in Indonesia and get a guy like that, you know, a guy who's amazing. really good at doing those cracking Indonesian action movies. Yeah. And to have Hit Girl in <clears> Indonesia would be quite interesting. You know, so, um, like, because the, the stunt people are so great out there. And one of the stunt people who played Hit Girl in the first movie yeah. was from Southeast Asia, you know, oh, like, really? uh, wearing yeah. the purple wig and everything. So you could get some crazy stuff going, you know. Yeah. And, and would it be before or after the, uh, the kick-ass stories? I can't say that, actually, because okay, that, I mean, that, that yeah. would give the whole game away. But it is cool. It is cool. Yeah. Okay, so... It'll probably so, never happen. Don't get too excited. But if it does happen, it'll be yeah. cool. Yeah. And Wanted, it's been such a long time... Yeah. Uh, is that, is, do you think that one's dead in the water, getting a Wanted 2? Well, Wanted's a funny one because it, the studio loves it because it made them a lot of cash, right? Yeah. I mean, I never think about the money because the writer doesn't really think about the cash. You know, the writer yeah. just thinks about what, what I want to write. But the studios are very cash-motivated. Things happen or don't happen because yeah. it made cash. So Wanted cost $70 million and it made $340 million. Jesus. And it made, us, it made more money, I think, than some of the Marvel movies and yeah. cost half as much. You know? Right, you're buying the next round. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so the, the Universal are like, let's do Wanted 2. 
but Angelina dies. Oh, for anybody who hasn't seen it, sorry. Angelina dies at the end of Wanted, and yeah. she was like the main sort of draw for the movie, ah, you know. Okay, right. So they've spent the last five years kind of saying, "So how do we bring Angelina back?" And yeah. and it's rubbish, you know. It's like there's no way you can bring her back and have any integrity. You know? Yeah. So like, um, so got that, you've got those pools that bring people. It back. does seem naff, yeah. though. I don't know. Yeah, the minute yeah. somebody comes back from the dead, yeah. anybody can come back but from also the dead. Like, so yeah. Bobby yeah. Ewing messed that up yeah. for everyone. <laughs> I, th- I think like Wanted is. Uh, I think out of all your comics, when you see the film adaptations, uh, remember like being a wanted, like reading wanted, yeah. and then going, okay, there's going to be a film there. It's like, how the hell are they going to make that into a film that yeah. people are going to be allowed to go and see? And then when you see it, you think, oh, okay, they change it so much. Yeah. But I think if you're if you're then going back to comics and you're trying to draw from the storylines that already exist, because they changed so much from the film and took so much yeah. out, and I guess it would be quite hard to go back oh, to that. Oh, well. yeah. No, no, they they. they they had to tone it down. I mean, it was, yeah. it was unfilmable. Because you're a sick man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice now, actually. It's funny. I'm trying yeah. to do stuff that's a bit more sort of family-friendly. You know? yeah. Even that joke at the end of Kingsman. <laughs> that um, wasn't me. Uh, the, the, I, I must say, like, I, when Matthew showed me that... Uh, hang on. Is anybody still to see Kingsman? No, we can't, we, can't so give, can't yeah, we can't give away the I end. I can't give away the end. It is at the end. Okay. But it's just a joke at the end, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, there's a joke at the end that's quite naughty. And that was Matthew's idea for the very end of the film. Yeah. And Jane Goldman and I talked him out of it. You know, we were like, it's too much. It's too much. So we had to put that nice little Superman 2 bit at the end instead, but he goes okay. back to that. You know, this is going to make uh, a lot of people go and see Kingsman now. Yeah. <laughs> just wanting to know what that joke Not is. Not just in South Korea either. <laughs> you can ask us at the bar afterwards. We'll tell you. We'll show you. Um, <laughs> sorry uh, <laughs> uh, but I love the knowing laughs, laughs. <laughs> but the last time uh, I spoke to you about this subject was before the film came out and it's been a huge hit I mean it, it, it's exceeded expectations certainly in America and South, South Korea and South Korea <laughs> um, so what's the status now that feels like a, a, a sequel's a no-brainer you would think but the weird thing is we didn't think it'd be as big as it has. Yeah. So I haven't even thought about it, you know. And Matthew's been saying, oh, I've got some amazing ideas for the sequel, but he's, he's not really, like, he's, he's maybe got, yeah. like, a scene or something like that, you know. But, like, um, but we genuinely haven't thought of anything, you mm. know. So, like, I don't know. And I've booked myself up for the next year, so I think it's going to be a while before we get around to it. Because I was saying to you, I'd like to see a film about kind of the history of the Kingsman and yes, part of the past. But yeah. you, really? you were saying, Period uh, genuinely, and you, and you said, I spoke to you about this, you've forgotten. Yeah. And you said that you don't really like prequels at <laughs> all because yeah. there's, well, explain Here's why. Here's the thing, to, like, I would ask the audience, is, can anyone name a good prequel? Godfather 2. Two. Not a prequel because it moves the story forward at the same time. Well, do you know that's what Vaughn said to me as well? <laughs> sorry, what was that? Days of Future Past? A- X-Men First Class. First Class. Well, it's funny because I had this argument with Matthew Vaughn about a year ago because he was talking about doing a prequel for something and we were on the phone and I was saying to him, all prequels are rubbish because you know at the end that everybody's going to be okay. It's like yeah. Better Call Saul, you know he's going to be all right because Breaking Bad happens. It's really annoying that, is yeah, when you watch Yeah, you know he's going to be okay and Tuco's going to be fine and all that. Mm. And I said to Matthew, name one, name one good, name one good prequel ever. It's like Butch and Sundance, the early years and all that. Terrible, and there was a silence, and he said, "X Men First Class, you prick." (laughs) 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 And it's true that is a good prequel, actually. Yeah. So, what are you booked up with for the next year? Then, can you tell us? Um, Well, we're doing. um, I'm doing. I've done a project called Jupiter's Legacy with Frank Quitely. Does guys here know Frank Quitely? He's an amazing comic artist, and that's going to take quite a while, actually, because we're we're potentially talking about doing that as a movie and a television series. And I've got a sister title that would go along with it as well. You know, so like um, I'm going to be working on that for about the next six months. And what else am I doing? Um, Oh, a secret thing. Uh, that you'll find out about in summer. Yeah. 
How exciting is that? Uh, secret, <laughs> thing, secret thing <laughs> one, secret <laughs> thing <laughs> two, <laughs> secret thing three. But the main character in it has special needs. Okay. And weirdly, this is what a terrible reputation I have. I said to my agent, oh, the next thing I'm doing, the lead character's got special needs. And he went, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, it's really nice. What, what you? Yeah. But you have been criticising the path for making comics designed to become movies. And I would, I, say, I would say that the things you do, like the character of Hit Girl is yeah. not oh, it's something that yeah, appeals yeah. to a film studio. Yeah. And um, Superior, which, you know, you're trying to get that movie yeah. off the ground. Yeah. That's not something that's, that's designed no, to be yeah. a movie. I and no, uh, I have no idea how Wanted, like how, oh, how did that even come about? Yeah, because Wanted, so when weird. you read it, you just think, that's mad. Oh, it's insane. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the thing is. But people do always say to me, oh, you're just writing them to be films. And I always say, what is a film? Like, if you think about yeah. it, like, Boyhood's a film, Grand Budapest Hotel's a film, Transformers 3's a film. Mm. You know, these things are all films, but they're all different. <laughs> so, like, so all a film is is a story, you know, and all yeah. a comic is is a story. Mm. And there's no secret formula. There isn't some sort of thing. Like, some people say to me, do you just base some characters on actors so that it fills movie execs into doing the film? Yeah. It's like, they're smarter than that. <laughs> it's like, you know, so the, you don't. If, you know, if you if you draw somebody like Ryan Gosling, it's not going to yeah. make Ryan Gosling think I must do that movie. You know, <laughs> so like, I don't know what it is. You know, you just do something that I'm interested in, and then hopefully the infectious nature of story is that then somebody else is interested in it too. Yeah. And what happens is just somebody gets excited about it. You yeah. know, like nemesis like the guys at fox just thought this looks cool and they yeah. just liked it and they wanted to make it into a film but but you can never second guess it because who would have guessed scott pilgrim or three 300s or sin city i mean all of these things are so unique yeah. to to the writers and i think to be honest that's the secret i think if you try and do something generic and try and do something that will appeal to everyone you kind of appeal to no one mm. in a weird way so what i do is i try and appeal to me like uh, i just think what would i pay two quids to read, you know, and yeah. I just actually think about what what would I enjoy and what would I like writing, and if, if I like it, chances are by the law of averages, somebody else is probably going to like it too. So that's that's my my secret, I would say, you know, mm. just try and appeal to yourself. Is there anything at the moment that you're reading or watching that you know you're really really liking? Well, Better Call Saul, I'm yeah. liking, mm. but there is that weird thing where it's I was odd, ob- isn't it? Yeah. I was obsessed with Breaking Bad, like obsessed yeah. with it. It's all I talk, it's all I talked about for ages, yeah. you know, and like uh, but Better Call Saul, I just I feel. There's that wee thing subconsciously where I know it's right. going to be okay, yeah. you know? Mm. And it's the prequel problem. They have to jump forward. But yeah. I feel like, yeah, I think they will. I think they'll do the Godfather 2 thing. I hope so. Mm. I yeah. think it will go forward in time yeah. as well. It's good. I hope it goes yeah. way into the future. You know, like Buck Rogers kind of yeah. stuff, you know? Well, there's a couple of scenes in there where you see it sort of seeing like him in the future and you see him, him in the past. Yeah. And then you see him at the time. But I do, I, I know what you mean, like, because there's a couple of scenes where they're almost like cliffhangers as well, where it's just like, yeah. okay, he's got like a gun point to him. Like, He's going to be all right. The genius of Breaking Bad was anybody could die. Exactly, I mean, yeah. I, even halfway through it, I thought even Walter could die. Yeah. But, yeah. If you, but if you introduce a bunch of really interesting characters, the fact that you know that one of them won't die, it could still be interesting if you care about the other characters. But then yeah. you see Mike and you see Tuco and all that. You yeah. know, but the, I, I think so it depends yeah. how much they're going to do yeah. of that, I guess. I, I think yeah. when they spend time like putting Saul in like grave danger and yeah. you're like... I'm not worried for him because it's I know okay. he doesn't die. Like, do, do you um do you read a lot of other people's comics these days, or do you try and kind of stay away from that? To I, I kind of I probably drift more towards creator owns. Plus, I also read my friends' stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing more embarrassing than friends who work in the media whose work you're five years behind on. Like, it is awful. Like, people who you really like, like friends. I wouldn't name names, right? Yeah. But there's a friend of mine who did a really big television series. Who's that? I, I, it's so awful. I'm so embarrassed. Worth a try. Worth a try. And. 
we, we, went, he said, we were meeting for breakfast and he said, and I'd never watched his show, right? But we'd been friends for about 10 years. I'd never seen one episode of his show. And we'd been friends for years. And he said, I'm trying to say this without giving the guy's name away. This is going to be so hard. Yeah. And he said, do you mind if a friend of mine joins us too? And I was like, yeah, of course. And this girl came along and she was one of the stars of the show. And I had no idea who she was. Oh. What was the show, Mark? <laughs> what did she look like? Where was she from? Where was but the set? After who about was an, she? After <laughs> about an hour, I said to her, so what, what is it you do yourself? Oh. <laughs> and he looked at me and he knew. And when I got back home, when I got back to Scotland... There was a FedEx pack with every Aww. DVD of the show for Aww. me to watch, and I've still never watched them. Signed by her, <laughs> signed by her with a smile, with a, like a really sad face on it. <laughs> so I do try and keep up with my pal's stuff. Anytime my yeah. pal's doing something, apart from that one guy, apart from that guy, I was at the screening of a terrific crime film called Hyena, which is out this week, I think, in the UK, and it's brilliant. If you like, it's kind of like an English Brad Badly Tenant. Yeah. But the first screening I went to, the director was there, and one of the actors in it, Neil Maskell, was there. You know, Neil Maskell, he's one of the, the, the guys in Kill List, one, oh, of, the, yeah. one of the hitmen. Mm-hmm. And we came outside and there was another critic there and we, inter- we all got talking and someone s- mentioned Hit List and, and, uh, Kill List and he said, oh yeah, that, it's one of my favourite films of all time. And, and someone said, oh yeah, Neil worked on that. He said, oh, what did you do? Did you, did you write it? Oh. And Neil was like, no, I'm the lead actor in it. And it was just the most important thing because clearly the guy hadn't seen it and it was yeah. just a lie. Awful. There's Awful. a really good story from like, I think it was like Birdman when they were filming the scene in Birdman where he has to run through Times Square in his mm-hmm. pants. And because they had to film it with like normal people uh, running around, there was a guy who was just like, came over and he was like, what's, go- what's going on? They're like, oh, we're filming this new film. And he had uh, a giant Beetlejuice tattoo on his arm. Oh. It was really, really good. And one of the one of the sort of production people were like, "Oh, come here a minute, you, oh, you're, you're going to you, like you will love this." And you were like, uh, we "Took him over to Michael Keaton and was like, uh, Michael, do you want to see this guy?'" And he's got and Michael Keaton was like, "Oh, it's a really really good tattoo. I really love it." And the guy's like. Yeah, it's Beetlejuice. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. It's my favorite, my favorite film. My like, he's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. all right. Anyway, it's really nice I've to meet you. And he walks off, and the guy's like, all right, see you in a bit. And they didn't tell him, so he just walked up going, "That's weird." My favorite mistaken tattoo was I met this uh, GI ages ago, and he was really depressed. And he was a massive Harry Potter fan. It was at a comic convention. He'd shown up at a signing. And he'd had... What's the name of the old wizard? Dumbledore? Yeah. Harry Potter. And he'd had Dumbledore all across his back. And this guy looked like Rambo or something. And he'd Dumbledore across his back. And I was like, what's up with that? And he went, they just said he was gay last week. You know? And they just announced it. And and I was like, you've got a gay wizard on your back. He was like, I'm I'm really upset about it. Because he'd had it done like two years previous. Yeah, he had it done two years earlier where Dumbledore was the ultimate (laughs) badass. Ah, (laughs) Now that he's gay, it's different. It's the army. Don't ask don't tell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, have you fellas got any more questions for Mark? Because if not, oh. I think I've got... We've got a lot. A We've got a lot in a yeah. bucket. <laughs> Shall I go get the bucket? Don't do it yeah. down. Can you guys <laughs> yeah. keep talking while I go get the bucket? Yeah. I'll go, I'll go do it. You keep talking. Um, oh, so, so, uh, well... This looks like a mixing bowl, actually. Yeah. It looks like we're going to do a Darren Brown performance. <laughs> Should we take him out? Like, if we do like a lucky dip, we'll each take one out and ask it to yeah. Mark. Duck hunt. It's the duck hunters. This is embarrassing. This is embarrassing because it shows I've never watched this before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking unbelievable. <laughs> I think Chris has just run off to go to the toilet. Right, so let's do this. Bit unprofessional, Chris. I'm going to piss mid podcast, but yeah, whatever. this is a good one. How do you feel about? The, obviously, we haven't seen any of these, so if you don't want to answer them then you have to let these people down. Okay. How do you feel about the end of the Ultimate Marvel Universe? That's from Ryan. Uh, I'm not that bothered, actually, you know. 
Like, uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> you all right? Cheers, man. There you go. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for writing in. <laughs> no, th- because it was so long ago. It's, it's a bit like you know your old school. My old school got knocked down. Actually, my old school got knocked down about two years ago. And it's the same thing. Like I'd be gutted if I was in it as it came down, you know. Yeah. But because I've left, I'm all right, you know. And it's kind yeah. of like the ultimate Marvel universe. I just think, you know, like I got out of that. It was all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, have Marvel or DC ever tried to pull you back in? Oh yeah, I'm still really good friends with them. I mean, you, is that something you want to do? Or not like... really? No. I mean, it's funny. Like, like I say, I had this motivational talk from Stan Lee ten years ago, and he mm. says, you know, create your own stuff. Yeah. And I've actually saw it as my mission. I've written Superman, yeah. I've written Batman, I've written Spider-Man, I've written the Avengers. I so I feel I've done them, you know. And I, could, yeah. I, I would actually, there's a lot of characters I love. I'd love to do a great Green Lantern story with Frank Quietly or something. Yeah. Do you ever have or, that? Or, you have those ideas. You go, oh, oh yeah, I've, I've got loads of ideas for the like, characters. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, I will at some point, yeah. you know. But I feel this new period right. in my life. Yeah. I want to create all this stuff just now, you know. Mm. Okay. So I was, I, was it a pee or a poo? Yeah, it was a quick one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wee. It was a wee. <laughs> Um, do you think we will ever see a good Ghost Rider film? Hang <laughs> on, who asked that? Did anyone, is that anonymous? It, it, it is, unsurprisingly, yeah. anonymous. Can I actually tell a weird, a weird Ghost Rider story? When they were making Ghost Rider 1, I think, I got a phone call from one of the producers who said to me, could you come up with some good lines of dialogue for Ghost Rider, to say? And I was like, can I see the script? And he went, no. <laughs> I swear to God, this is true. No, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. But can you like come up with some lines and some characters? Yeah. And they, they'd sh- no, but they shot. The, they'd shot the movie. The whole thing was done. Jesus. But it, I said, how can you sub in the lines? He said, it's just a CGI face. You can see anything. So we do what wow. we want, mate. All right. Then let's worry about that. I, says, but I need to see the reactions or know the situations. We just nah. come up with some badass stuff like it's killing time or you know something like that. <laughs> You, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable with this. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got a question actually before we go into the thing. Um, one of like I love the fact that Freddie Prince Jr. plays such a huge role <laughs> in the Ultimates. Yeah. Did you were you given Freddie Prince Jr. going? No, no, I sought him out. Yeah, yeah. I sought him out. Okay, yeah. good. I'll tell you a weird story actually about that. Freddie Prince Jr. For those who don't know, is shagging the Hulk's girlfriend and mm. and this book I did, the Ultimates, and the Hulk really hates him. Yeah. Like Banner, this is the thing that makes Banner become the Hulk. That's um, amazing. The first time, and he goes after Freddie Prince Jr. when he's on a date with his girlfriend. I don't know why I picked. I can't even remember why I picked him. Yeah. But like, it was just a random name. I thought he just seemed sort of like slightly obscure enough for yeah. it to be funny, you know, for it being Freddie Prince Jr. But weirdly, as it turns out, Joss Whedon was a big fan of the book. Okay. And Joss Whedon was going to Freddie Prince Jr.'s wedding shortly <laughs> after it. And he bought that page from Brian Hitch, the artist, and gave it to Freddie Prinze and uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar as their present. Yeah, know? wasn't it like Hulk saying, like, Hulk hate Freddie Prince Jr.? Or Hulk yeah, smash Hulk Freddie Prince Jr.? Hulk smash Freddie <laughs> Prince Jr., yeah, yeah, that's what it was, yeah. And that was a wedding gift, you know? I got a lot of time for that, that's awesome. Um, so this is from a loyal fan. That's says, really that's, long. That's you know, creepy. No, you okay. don't have to read out all of these. I, I read it, it's fine. <laughs> I heard a rumour that you had the idea of doing a story where a baby in the womb is exposed to radiation and explodes out of its mother and into a giant baby and the Justice League has to fight it. Any progress? Three question marks. That's a true story. <laughs> <laughs> you better answer this or he's going to shoot us. <laughs> this is true. Like, usually I don't really run stuff by people, right? But I went downstairs and said to my family, look, I've had this idea. This was about two years ago. I said, I've got this, it's like a girl who gets pregnant to a superhero and she doesn't know he's a superhero and the baby's mutating in her womb and it's getting really big really fast. So when it's about even four or five months old, just when the gestation period, the baby just busts out, you know, and is growing in size and getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it's attacking the superheroes. Yeah. And I remember just seeing the family's face all like, 
you know, as I was telling them this, and I said, and my idea that's really good, yeah. as I said, this baby's got superpowers, it's, it's got a dense molecular structure and everything, but the way to defeat it is the softest part of a baby is the fontanelle on the top of the head. <laughs> and I thought, if one of the Superman guys grabs a jet and fires yeah. it down the fontanelle of the baby... Your wife just grabbed your baby explodes. at a time, like, away from you, and be like, you, you're not looking after it by yourself anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, How's that I going? This is the moment we find out Mark Miller's going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I came downstairs because I was actually quite proud of it, and I was like, "Guess what?" And I, I saw I lost. You know when you, you can feel the energy leaving a room, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Like my worst sister. Christmas day ever. <laughs> uh, I think I think you should read this one out because it's actually probably the best question we're getting. Oh, to everyone on stage, would you like a drink? Yes please. yes, please. That's from Mark. From Mark? Oh, is this from me? <laughs> no, 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 it's not. It's from someone called Mark. All oh, right. Unless you wrote that and didn't, didn't Who remember. Is Where's Mark? Are these drinks Hi, drugs? Yeah. Are they drugs by any chance? Yeah, the Odell Pale Ale. Sorry, Mark, you can't well, go to that bar please for you. Please make sure we get safely one. home. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want? Can I have the pretend Guinness that they have in here? The, yeah. The, the... <laughs> yeah. An Odell Pale Ale, please. Thank you. It looks like that. I'll have, a, I'll have the lager that they do. <laughs> and we will um, we'll, we'll get you one after thank I'm, you Mark great, right, question, very much great question best oh, question of the night I'll tell you what he's put you all to shame put you all to shame <laughs> uh, I've got a question saying hello <laughs> getting rowdy <laughs> hello and duck hunt were you, were you happy hunt. with Nicolas Cage's casting in Kick-Ass was what? Were you happy with Nicolas Cage's casting in Kick-Ass? Oh, amazing. You know what's funny? Like, the casting process is fascinating because, I'd, like, I remember hearing years ago that Steve McQueen was the original choice to play um, the Bill Money character in Unforgiven. Really? The, the part was written for Steve McQueen. And yet now you can't imagine anyone other than Clint Eastwood. Yeah. And Big Daddy's like that too. We talked about Sylvester Stallone. That was the original one around. Really? Yeah, we, t- we, we didn't speak to him, but that was one of the names being floated yeah. about. And you have to have somebody within a certain budget. There's all these kind of things you of course, don't think yeah, about yeah. when you're doing comics, but some people cost a lot of money, you know? So some of the guys we thought about, Mark Wahlberg wanted too much money. We asked Mark Wahlberg, and uh, there was uh, Matthew McConaughey was talked about at one time. There was actually a meeting with Matthew McConaughey. Mark Wahlberg? Yeah, yeah. That's and Matthew right. McConaughey, which would have been really weird as well. Yeah. But I can't imagine anybody now other than Nick no. Cage. And there's two things that sold us on Nick Cage as soon as I heard them. He'd, Nick Cage is... I actually think he's a genius, right? Like, watching him f- film... Every take, he does something different. He does something brilliant and different every take. So when you're sitting in the edit room, you've got so many things to play with. Really? Okay, you know, like Matthew was like, watch this. And Matthew was showing me all this amazing stuff he'd done. Yeah. And like, he came up with two ideas when he was building the character, when he was out for dinner the night before it. And he said, I want to do it in the voice of Adam West. Which was like, okay, that sounded insane yeah. and yet was brilliant. You know, the minute the mask goes on, he's doing the voice of Adam West. But when the mask comes off, he's got this really quiet sort of mm. voice, you know. And his other thing that was fantastic was his disguise as a superhero is that he has a moustache and his secret identity, mm. but he has a slightly larger moustache. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, this guy's a genius. <laughs> so I can't imagine anyone except him playing And what was he like off, off screen? Because he's, so nice. he's a mystery. I loved him. I really got on well with him, actually. It was funny because he was there first day of shooting and he was there at six o'clock in the morning and we were in a sewage factory. Uh, like You know the scene where Mindy's getting shot by her dad and mm. the bulletproof vest and everything? That was all shot in this uh, gravel at a sewage factory and it was disgusting. I mean, like I, I, it was only one day of filming there. It was a Saturday, but from six in the morning until seven at night, we were in a sewage factory and the smell, I can't, it was like an alien world, right? And like you, I could smell it off my clothes for weeks. It was like oh. human waste. It was oh. disgusting. Film somewhere so, else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just film somewhere else. 
surgery. <laughs> you got, we got a massive budget. <laughs> and, uh, and Nick Cage was there first day. And it, mm. Despite all the sewage and all that, it seemed really glamorous and everything. Yeah. And, and it was... It was he came up and started chatting because he's a big comic guy, mm. and we sort of bonded on that. And he, Ghost Rider, he, yeah, but he's always wanted to, he played super, wanted to play Superman, yeah. Ghost Rider. He got to play Big Daddy, and he, he was just so likable. And you always kind of you want a story like some guy's an asshole, don't you? Yeah. You know, you want yeah. one of those stories. Oh, yeah. And he's the opposite. He's so nice, you know. Like uh, and Angelina Jolie was lovely on Once and everything yeah. as well. Jim Carrey, you know, slightly. Oh, <laughs> okay. I, I wasn't on set at the same time as Carrey. He was only there yeah. for five days, but like, uh, it was an asshole after. Yeah. Oh no, he said lots of nice Too things long. about the uh, the guns in the movie, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that went well. So, Mark, did growing up in a place like Coatbridge influence the way you look at characters and themes within your work? From Paul from Coatbridge. From Coatbridge. <laughs> <laughs> Whereabouts in Coatbridge are you from? Oh, that's where I'm from. What street are you from? Uh, what number? <laughs> <laughs> the christening, but you're handy for the Laurent's pub. Yeah. Excellent. I was there two weeks ago for a christening. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, no, so. But like, um, Coatbridge, I would say it's, it's integral and it sounds ridiculous, but every single one of my things I've ever written, I can trace back to something in Coatbridge because we draw on our childhood all the time, you know, so for me, superheroes really weren't something that happened in America almost, it was something that happened growing up mm. and I relate it all to Scotland for me, you know, so like, uh, but I think your writing kind of has an accent a little bit too and the thing that makes my stuff different from a guy in London or a guy in New York or whatever is that I come from Coatbridge. Mm. So I think it's great and I think coming from a place that isn't filled with writers, I think, is your greatest advantage because you've got no competition. Well, all the screenwriters I know are all bald guys with glasses who live in LA, you know, and they all have the same life experiences, they're into the same TV shows and everything, where we come from a place where everybody's a little bit different, a bit more interesting, you know? I mean that as a compliment. This kind of follows on from that. I don't know if yours does as well. But I've got two, two here. Um, someone who's... Uh, said, why don't you base more characters in Glasgow? And Dean yeah. McMillan tweeted us and said, will Mark write something set in Scotland? Yeah, so something? did yeah, so did Jamie Coburn as well. Will you in ever fact, write this, a book that's all that's in, in here. Really. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, story set in Scotland. I, I actually set an issue of Fantastic Four in Scotland. I did a two-part Fantastic Four story that was set in Scotland, and uh, nobody nobody was in there. Weirdly, you know, like all the Americans had no point of reference. Like, there's something interesting about <laughs> New York that. If you set a story in New York, everybody knows the Chrysler Building and the Empire State Building and all that. But if you say, if you say, for example, in your story, oh yeah, you know, like uh, West Nile Street kind of thing, <laughs> it's like nobody, nobody knows what you're talking about. And I, I sort of get it. I get the cultural shorthand of yeah. people know what Harlem is and people know what Brooklyn is, and they, the they, they, they get it. Oh, they know what Upstate means and all that in a way that they don't get yeah. Loch Lomond, you know. And, and, and I wish it was different oddly oh, yeah. <laughs> think about it so I'd love to put Hawkeye in the Orndale Centre yeah. I like the idea of a supervillain who lives in Hamilton but <laughs> but he's his nemesis is Batman who's in Gotham City so he's like the king like Batman can't get him because he's in Hamilton you know it's like <laughs> this, this is a good question because um, like Old Logan is one of my favourite like comic series and this is from Fro who says who would win a battle between Old Logan and Superman Superman. <laughs> yeah, well, Superman, isn't he? Logan, Logan could, like, he's just a bit muscly and he's got yeah. claws. You know? Superman could go into space and vaporise. And he's old. He's strong. Although he could, he could reform himself, I guess. Yeah, exactly, all the time. Just be a really boring fight to watch. But would adamantium cut through a dense molecular structure? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. You're stranded on a desert island. Yeah. And you will be there indefinitely. Okay. Your one companion- Is this going to happen? Yeah. 
after, after this. Yeah. Your one companion yeah. slash lover yeah. is a mermaid. Right. Do you choose top half or bottom half <laughs> as fish? That's from Beebs and James. Do you know what? I've actually thought about this, right? I've, I've genuinely thought about this before. And I actually think human bottom half would freak me out too much like, because I would feel it's not a human being. Whereas I feel as if the human top half like I could put a towel over the bottom half kind of thing and we could still chat and all that and it would seem like a human I would feel I'm taking advantage of an animal yeah. if it's, uh, if, if it's a fish done that if it's a fish top half though you know but the fish might have no computation you know what's going on here you know? We, know, we know what your luxury <laughs> item is a towel <laughs> <laughs> okay, so but that's the equivalent of the Ann Summers catalogue it's just a towel across the bottom half yeah. so. <laughs> so be honest are there any okay. parts of films adapted from your works that you haven't particularly enjoyed and which? Well, do you know what? I'm kind of to blame myself because as a producer, you get control. It's not like working at another company, you know, but as a producer, you can stop it happening. You can say, I don't want to do the project at mm. all. You can kill it. But sometimes greed takes the better of you, you know, and you'll go along with something. Yeah. But um, generally, I'm happy with it. You know, I think, like, um, the only thing that's a bit weird, I guess, is the looms and, and, uh, and wanted. But I even like that. Like, mm. people said to yeah. me, did you hate the fact that they made jumpers as well as being assassins and things? Yeah. But I kind of like the madness of it. Like, Timur explained yeah. it to me. Like, I can't speak Russian. Timur, at the time, could barely speak English. And yeah. we went for dinner in 2006. And he, he explained the whole loom of fate thing to me. And neither of us could understand each other. But it sounded good. You know, I was like, yeah... Like, go for it. Oh Lord. Has there ever been something that, this is my question, but has there ever been something where initially when a, a director or a writer or a, like a head producer has come to you and gone, we want to do this, and you've sort of resisted, but actually it's turned out really, really well? Yeah, uh, the jetpack and Kick-Ass. Okay. Yeah, because like, the whole point of Kick-Ass is that there's no web shooters and there's yeah. no adamantium claws and all that. Like, it's only things that happen in real life. And for some reason, I know a lot about jetpacks, right? And you can only... <laughs> And I said to Matthew, do you realise you can only go up in a jetpack? You can't really sort of go forward in it. You can only yeah. go up, and you can only go up to 150 feet, so you'd never get to the top of that building. And He's Matthew like, why do you know so much? <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> and, and already said, done it. <laughs> and he said to me, like, just trust me on this one. He said, this is Luke blowing up the Death Star at the end. It's, yeah. You're going to feel good. And he said, and if you want to be real, he said, the Death Star exploding should have been silent because it's in the vacuum of space yeah. but it's exciting because you hear the sound he said you've got to have a bit of artistic license and I said but you're going to lose the audience and he says look they've been with him for an hour and a half yeah. they're going to buy him that little bit because it makes you feel great mm. and I was like okay I'll trust you and he said if you don't like it and it doesn't play with the audience I'll take it out and I was like mm. okay that's fair enough and then he said to me later I was lying I was never going to take it <laughs> <laughs> but like um, but I did watch it with test audiences and they were going yeah. nuts yeah. with the Elvis music and everything yeah. well, it's, 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 it's built up really nicely and even when he sticks it on he's still a little bit shit with it as well yeah. so I think it sort of it fits with the character where he's like yes this is going to be amazing it'd be yeah. like what well, we would be like if we put a jetpack on you'd be like yeah. oh speak for you I know a lot about them you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually love a jetpack <laughs> Anyone got Let's one? Let's move on. Yeah, um, are there any comics or films that you'd like to take a shot at or that you feel you could do better? Oh, that's a horrible question. Because honestly, I don't know how many headlines will come out of tonight, but there is always somebody will always warp thank what you've you. said into something off. I'll give you a perfect example, right? Like, oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Um, is, cheers. Is, is anybody else having one? Is it just us? Yeah. Cheers, everyone. <laughs> yeah, there's, the perfect example is. I do consultants who work at Fox and like a lot of the stuff that I do is behind the scenes you know because I just I talk to the execs more than the creatives generally 
and we sort of work out plans and things. And like, uh, I remember when I first got the job, I obviously knew what characters were going to be in X-Men Days of Future Past, and I knew that Kitty Pride was going to be in it, but I couldn't tell anyone because it's a gigantic spoiler, you know? And like, um, I got interviewed by a magazine, and they said to me, is Kitty Pride going to be in the new X-Men film? And I was like, I can't tell you that, you know? And they said, okay, will X-Men fans be disappointed by the lack of Kitty Pride in the film? <laughs> and I was like, all I can say is, I think if you like the X-Men, you're going to enjoy this film. And the headline, genuinely, a double-page spread in a magazine was, Miller says, Kitty Pride fans will not be disappointed in the X-Men. So it is, it's incredible, you know, so... so to get back to the original thing, yeah, it's so hard. Yeah. How can I say this without slagging someone else? Exactly, you know? so, yeah, it must be hard, like, because, I mean, you're on Twitter all the time, like, yeah. is that something that's in your head where you have to, have you ever not, been taken outside by yeah. someone where someone's gone, <laughs> Mark, be quiet. Well, maybe, I mean, you're doing all creator-owned characters now. Mm. Yeah. Is that it in the future, or is there a character you'd like to go back to, one you haven't tackled that you feel like you could You've got a story for. Oh yeah, I mean all of them. Honestly, like, I really love this stuff. Like, as narrow it down a bit, Mark. <laughs> give, it, give me some. But work. DC stuff, especially like mm. some friends at DC Marvel, I'm in touch with all the time. You know, Marvel said, you know, do you fancy coming back? Every few months, yeah. I'll get a little email from sure. Marvel. Um, but DC um, have asked if I want to do some Superman or some Green Lantern, Batman. I'd really enjoy doing yeah. with the right guy. I'd love to do something like Batman with John Romita Jr. Oh, yeah, or man. Superman with Brian Hitch, maybe or mm. uh, Green Lantern with Frank Quitely. Frank and I have talked about it a little bit. Mm. Brendan McCarthy doing The Flash, you know, there, there, there's all these guys I would love to do something with, you know, it's, it's just the time. I mean, yeah. I mean, I got up so early, right, the babies, I've got an 11 month old. I've got to watch four Superman you know, films. got to watch a Superman Every film. day. And Supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm knackered by eight o'clock because I've been up since half five or whatever. Mm. So eight o'clock I start working. I work till about four or five. Then I do my phone calls because America, like Los Angeles, wakes up about four-ish yeah. and I start to do phone calls till about maybe half past six or seven o'clock or something, you know? Yeah. And I still, I only get half as much done as I want to get done. Have you got a tweet? I've got a tweet, you know? Yeah. Check out porn, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, lunch. I've got one from an anonymous saying, uh, what's your favourite 2000 AD strip? Uh, oh, best ever. Probably, probably an You know what I love? Like time twisters. Yeah. I used to love like future shocks and time twisters. Yeah. Like I love the sound bite of it, you know, just something that's three pages long. Yeah. It was a great skill for people who grew up with 2000 AD. You learned how to write a story in three pages, which yeah. is the best skill a writer can get. Like, because now when you start writing something, they throw you in at the deep end and you're doing a 10 issue story or something. But a three page story, you have to have a beginning, a middle, and an end, introduce yeah. your characters. It was the best apprenticeship. And people used to have to do these wee short stories for two years, even Alan Moore, mm. before they were allowed to do the regular stuff. Yeah. And I would love to see some kind of equivalent at Marvel and DC. It's a great training ground. Yeah. Have you seen um, the, the 2000 AD documentary, Future Shock? Oh, that's no. been made it's very good is it good yeah yeah, yeah. caught it out of South by Southwest and some great stories from those guys oh, yeah. we, um, sorry we were just uh, talking about like restrictions and things like that because obviously that's a good kind of restriction yeah. and we were talking because like Chris was reading Civil War for the first time on the way up and we were talking about do you think you work better where you're left to just go off and go mad and you can do whatever you want or do you sort of quite like working within the restrictions of something like the Marvel Universe as well? Do you know, I, I've started to impose restrictions on myself a little bit yeah. because it can be too easy. I mean, like I say, the Fontanelle attack on the baby, right? Like, to me, that was genius, right? I was like, this is going to be amazing. You know? and, and You're like smoking a big cigar on the front. <laughs> you did it again, Miller. Take the rest of the day off. <laughs> And, and sometimes it is quite good to self-edit, you know, and I think mm. that's what I've started doing a little bit. You don't want to be tame because I think it's exactly, nice to cut yeah. loose as well. Um, so I think a combination of both is good, you know, but as a little exercise, I wrote Starlight, for example, 
without a single swear word. Like, there's okay. no swear words. And the opening line originally was, I feel like an asshole, mm. right? And I changed it to, I feel like an idiot. When I got it back, I thought, I'm going to try and do a whole book without any swearing, like yeah. nothing at all. And it was fine. It worked yeah. as well. You know, Superman Red Sun had no swearing and worked well as a Superman story, yeah. you know? So, I don't know, I, I, Chrononauts has the new book it's out in a couple of weeks time um, it's got very 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 small amounts of, of cursing and things and I thought it's a nice discipline to impose on yourself and then cut loose with something maybe after it you know so I think you can fall into a groove too easily as a writer and just you know like it's too easy just to have a fight that's just like fuck you fuck you you know because that's the way people talk in real life isn't it yeah. when they're fighting so as, an as a writer it's more interesting and more challenging to try and do it without Making it too naturalistic. Yeah. Great. So now our, our podcast is explicit. That's official. Yeah. Oh, right. it's <laughs> got got the explicit layer. <laughs> In fairness, if we came back from Glasgow yeah. without an explicit podcast, we probably haven't done Glasgow as, properly. As we head into the third hour. <laughs> <laughs> Are people alright for us to keep going? We got more questions in here. No, you bored yet? Yeah. Okay. So okay. quick, maybe a quick one here. Any plans to revisit the world of Old Man Logan? Uh, no, but there is always that rumor. The, the, there's a rumor that the talk, you know, I'm not talking out of school here, that they've said it's a possibility as a potential Wolverine movie, you know, for, for Hugh Jack. It seems like a nice break, doesn't it? The older he gets. Until he dies, <laughs> he's going to get older at some point. <laughs> okay. But in terms of comics, no, I've, yeah. I have no plans at all. You know. um, th I think there's going to be a lot of these. Uh, Wonder Woman v King Kong, who would win? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, King Kong is an eye for the ladies. When you think yeah. about it, maybe they're falling in love. Yeah, I think they would fall in love. Okay. It'd be like fairy. Yeah. This one is really weird, and it's written on a scrap of paper, which is <laughs> not one of our bits of paper. So oh. it's just a bit of yellow with a thing, and on the back it's got E six six one three four three four Carluccio's West Nile Street. Is that is that where the treasure's buried? <laughs> What is that? That's a guy advertising his restaurant in here. Oh, really? And you played into it, my friend. <laughs> yeah, he's paying me. Uh, this is from Jordan. Any future plans to work with Frankie Boyle? Well, do you know what? I was at a dinner party with Frankie a couple of weeks back, and you know he's a big comic guy who loves comics, and he's always of course he was in Clint. He, he wrote yeah, Clint. for Clint, which is your magazine. Well, I run this magazine from 2010 to 2013 or something, and, and I loved the idea of getting guys who loved comics who hadn't worked in comics, like Frankie Boyle, Jonathan Ross, Jimmy Carr, and all that. You were never going to really get them writing the X Men or something, you know. But I wanted to see what they could do. And Frankie did this amazing thing called Rex Royd. Did anybody read Frankie's strip, Rex Royd? Mm. It's absolutely bonkers. And uh, I, like I can't, I can't, I'm trying to find some bit of I can say that's <laughs> acceptable in any way, you know. But yeah. check it out if you get a chance. Illegally download it. You can probably see it online. Yeah, I mean, I, I worked on Clint a little bit. Why did that's you right. Why did you call it Clint, Mark? Well, the reason some, some people know there's, there's a history. There's a history in comics of picking boys or girls' names for the titles of your books. And like, so in the past there was Mandy and Tracy and all that kind of stuff. I worked on a magazine called Jack. J Jackie, yep. and, and there was Buster and everything. Yeah. But the real re that was what I said to relatives when they asked. But the real reason is there was two words that was always banned in comics uh, up um, until the 80s. Yeah, can we and not? One can we word not was, I, won't say, I won't say the word, but one word is flick <laughs> and the other one is Clint because they look rude when the letters run together in comics. What do they look like? And I just thought that was, like a, <laughs> <laughs> that was a message out there. You know, I was like, okay, we can do anything in this. Yeah, book. so you'd go yeah, and got cancelled. you got going to direct Smith, though, and you'd see, <laughs> see how... Yeah. Well, the worst thing is we always get stacked next to the pornos. 
That was the thing that was always really embarrassing. And you would see people shouting yeah, you requested that. Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> I do regret it. So you get the footfall. Uh, this, this is a good one from someone who wrote the question and then just went mad screaming. <laughs> is everyone so, okay? <laughs> we're going to ask him, mate. It's okay. That's amazing. <laughs> if it was up to you, who would you cast in the lead roles in the Nemesis film? Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Well, the thing is, this is always quite tricky because whoever then does get cast is really sad because, <laughs> because somebody Mark will send them this link, you know? Yeah. Which you and, told me the other day, and yet I still tried to make you pick Starlight characters, and we went through really about hard. six of them, and that could get you in trouble one day. I know, I know who they're talking about for Starlight. I know who it's probably going to be. You may as well tell us, because in this room we won't tell anyone. Would yeah. you keep it between yourselves? Yeah. No, I, I thought my dream guy for, uh, for Nemesis is Michael Fassbender who'd be amazing because yeah. Nemesis is evil Batman and nobody reeks of evil Batman more than Michael Steve Fassbender Jobs. you know he'd be amazing yeah. Jobs. <laughs> Steve Jobs is evil Batman <laughs> billionaire evil Batman and the one. cop we talked about originally a couple of years back there was talk of Liam Neeson there's actually Liam Neeson on video being asked by Joe Carnahan if he wants to play the part you know? really? and he'd not read the script he went yeah it sounds alright I know? feel like there's <laughs> other roles in Nemesis that Liam Neeson could play though that aren't, yeah. that aren't Nemesis like, I the think wife Exactly, yeah. Versatile. He's got a lovely. He's a good actor. He's got a lovely yeah, he's accent. A great actor. So, is there any characters that you detest in comics, past or present? If so, why? Heart. Uh, <laughs> a little heart. Heart. Who's heart? It's just you know, it's like even oh, though, yeah, even though it's a negative, even though it's a negative question, it's a lot of love in. in I don't the know what it says about the people who come to our podcast or listen to our podcast, but a lot of these are written in just block caps, like just <laughs> anger. They're shouting, <laughs> shouting. They're shouting at you, Mark. <laughs> I think, um, I don't detest them, but a very hard character to write was Swamp Thing. Are you guys familiar with Swamp yeah. Thing? And it was a genius book, which made it even harder. Like, Alan Moore I'm had written it. Seminal it seminal yeah. I mean, it was, it was an incredible, incredible. run. So but the true. character himself was a vegetable who talked, right? I mean, he was a plant who had a voice. And, I, and somehow, brilliant writers, Len Wein and all these guys, going back 30 years, had made it work, and then it landed in my lap. So I had this talking vegetable who had a history of brilliant writers somehow making it win awards. And that was the hardest gig I've ever had in my life, you yeah. know? So it was, he lived in the swamps, he had no friends, he was a talking vegetable, and you had to try and get a story out of it. I wrote it for yeah. three years, it was really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, do you have that in your mind when you know, you're going on to different comics and you're, or you're offered a hero or something? Yeah. Do you have it in your mind going, well, so-and-so did that Who so came well. before you? I yeah. can't think yeah. such like, like, that character. Definitely. Yeah. You want to follow X-Men 3. Yeah. You don't want to follow... <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to follow Days of Future Past, you know? <laughs> and it's true, I mean, like, you don't want to come on stage after somebody who's brilliant. Mm. Well, it's the same kind of thing, isn't it? You know, you, you want something to... It's like property developers going into a slum area, you know? Yeah. You want to go into something nobody likes. It's really you hard to, to follow somebody great. Yeah, yeah exactly. But well, with something like Swamp Thing, like you said, it's so hard, like... It must have been so hard going from Alan Moore to me. And then going, no, no, no. <laughs> it was hard for the readers. But for you, but for you, you like, what I was, makes, I was 22 or 22. Okay. What makes wow. you say, yeah, though? I guess. Oh, I needed, I needed oh, you the wanted a job. Yeah. I wanted a job, honestly. Yeah. I mean, my 20s, I genuinely spent as much time writing but, proposals as I did writing. You know, it was, yeah. it was until I was about 30. By the time I was about 29 or 30, it was always, I always had my head just above the water, but I was writing proposals all the time, and yeah. my books were always on the verge of cancellation. I always remember DC's cancellation point at the time was 17,500, right? Mm. And my books were always like 100 <laughs> copies over it, right? It was, like, it, was, it was so weird. And I used to phone up my editor every month and say, are we cancelled yet? And if we were cancelled, I had no cash, you know? And I kept having children, 
and I had to somehow feed them and everything. Yeah. How many have you got? Yeah. Every, every month. Yeah. <laughs> Your agent's like, mate, you need to stop I don't even know how many kids. Every time I have sex, there's a child. That's, that's all <laughs> how many children have you got? Two? Two. <laughs> 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 okay, I'm, I like this question a lot. Uh, where is your favourite place to kick back and relax? Question mark. Oh. And in case you can't think of anything, yeah. they've said, i.e., pub, study, or surfboarding? Exclamation mark. So, <laughs> Three exclamation marks to give you some in- inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> you go surfing. I imagine you love the surf. I'm a big surfer. <laughs> <laughs> no, please to relax. Um, I think. What do I do? To, to, I do in the pub too much. Like, I always kind of think I don't You just told that. me earlier you go for the odd swim. Oh, I go for a swim every morning. I swim yeah. two miles a week now. Two miles a week, which sounds impressive, but it's only 20 lengths a day. Yeah. You know, like that's not that good. But when you two miles it, he has to watch five two miles films. a week. <laughs> but my, my nephew swims four miles a day, you know, which is nuts. So Showing two miles a week sounds crap. But I, I do a little swim at the end of the day, you know, so I guess that's my chill out. I, I swim in this place, it's all old people. It's really weird. It's the, you know, the Western Baths out in the, the West End. Western Baths, it seemed the membership, it's like a gym for old people. So everybody's in their 80s and 90s. But it's it's like a cocoon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the minute they hit the water, though, they're like, it's like sea animals, you know, they just, they, they hobble, they hobble to the side of the pool, they hit the water, and like, from alive. And they're all laughing. <laughs> it is like a cocoon. It's <laughs> just like a cocoon. Courtney Cox running around. Uh, why doesn't Superman just chuck every bad guy <laughs> into the sun? <laughs> chuck. <laughs> Man, when I go back to DC, that is my one-page story I'm doing. I'm, I'm gonna do uh, I'm do Are there any storylines or story arts that you wish you had written but didn't? That I wish I had written? Oh, yeah. Um, just the stuff I love, like Frank Miller. Anything by Frank Miller, Alan Moore, kind of like um, Dark Knight Returns is my favourite comic ever. Uh, Batman Year One, amazing. I'd say Batman Year One. I would go for that. Okay. You know, although I don't know, there's actually a story I love from when I was a kid. This is my new favorite comic. I love finding things that are terrible taste that were well intentioned. You know, something that kind of like they meant it to be, be a, a, a dramatic story, but when you look at it now it's as an adult, you're, this is like wrong. Yeah. Like there's yeah. a, a Superman story from when I was about seven. Where Lex Luthor can't defeat the adult Superman, so he creates a ray that turns Superman, the Flash, and Batman into infants, and then he beats the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> and the cover, even honestly, what's I'll, the weak point? <laughs> I'm going to put this up on on Twitter tomorrow so you can see it. But the cover is the infant, and they're still wearing their costumes, which makes it really oh. weird looking. The infant Flash lying dead, the infant Batman lying dead. And Luther, and he's got a power glove just to make it even worse. This glove that's glowing, yeah. punching the infant Superman in the face. <laughs> the screen, you know? He's got beer and like cigarettes, <laughs> just, like, wicked. <laughs> Nintendo power glove. And I wish I'd, I wish I'd thought of that. Have we got any more? Killing we babies. Got, we've got one more. Because I'm slightly yeah. worried about that. That, that scrunched up. Who's that folded that? Angry, I, think Mar- yeah. I think Mark should. should Let's have a look at this. Does, who scrunched one up and put it in? It just says, help me. <laughs> I'm coming for you. <laughs> oh, this is timely, actually. Yeah. This is almost like this has been planted. It, ha- you, it hasn't. <laughs> would you ever consider returning to a previous project such as Nemesis, Superior, Super Crooks, or American Jesus? Now, American Jesus is a project that I wrote ten, over 10 years ago, and the idea was 
the return of Jesus in the present day, like a comic where it's a kid who finds out instead of being bitten by a spider or something that he's the return of Jesus Christ. So it's like him in the modern world trying to get by. And uh, I called it Ultimate Jesus was because I think can, I had my mind. Can I butt in? Because I spoke to someone earlier about this tonight and they said they heard you talk about it or spoke to you about it. Mm. And you claimed that you thought the Bible was an incomplete trilogy. Yes. And, <laughs> and Mark Miller was the man to complete the trilogy. This is... <laughs> The ego on this guy. <laughs> you couldn't make it up. But he does. But it's like the Old Testament, you know, it's a trilogy, of course. There's the Old Testament, there's the New Testament, and then there's the Final Testament. And I saw American Jesus as being that. So I've written one book of it already. It's been out. And I'm, I started book two today, weirdly, you know, and I'm, I'm going to finish it all up this summer. But my idea was that if you think about it in terms of the Star Wars trilogy, right, the Old Testament is Star Wars, the New Testament is Empire Strikes Back, and it even ends with a kind of cliffhanger, you know, because Jesus has been killed off and all that, you know. And then it's like Han Solo in the Carbonite and everything. And then what you have then is him coming back. It's like Han Solo out the Carbonite, you know. So the idea is <laughs> this completes it. The circle is complete, you know. So. Uh, I wanted to ask, actually, about Super Crooks, though, because... Yeah. Uh, Nacho Vigalondo, who's an amazing director, if yeah. people haven't seen the movie Time Crimes, you fell in love with that film, yeah. I fell in love with that film, and it turned out you liked his work, he liked your work. How did you meet Nacho, and, and what's happening with that film that he was going to... Is uh, anybody in here familiar with Nacho Vigalondo, the Spanish filmmaker? Yeah. He's a genius, right? I urge you to illegally download his films as well. He's, <laughs> he's fantastic, and he's a great pal of mine as well. And uh, I, I, you, know, I, you know how I met him? This was really weird. In 2008... They were having uh, a charity auction where you got to have lunch with me, right? Which sounds like the crappiest prize, you know? <laughs> it's, like, it's like a date gone wrong, you know? And, like, uh, you, Nacho paid, like, a grand or something like this. Really? And had lunch, and I, I didn't know who he was. And I had no idea it was a huge deal in Spain. And he couldn't speak English. As recently as 2008, he couldn't speak almost a word he, of English. He still can't, that one. I can barely speak English. So the two of us met for lunch. Just two of you. Man, just the two of us, no translator. None it was the most painful... <laughs> awkward lunch I didn't know that oh it was terrible <laughs> and he, he, was, he was trying to talk in English and I couldn't understand what he was saying he had no idea what I was saying it was horrible <laughs> and then we became email friends after that because he was Google, Google Translate yeah. and all this kind of stuff you know and we, we ended up becoming really good friends and we said we'd do a movie together we decided we've got a super villain movie that we're going to set in Tenerife <laughs> and I always thought it was such an obvious idea I had this thought where I thought why do super villains rob banks in Gotham City or Metropolis, yeah. because Superman and all that are really good, right? And they've got a history mm. of putting guys in prison, right? Yeah. So I was like, why don't a bunch of supervillains just go somewhere in Europe where there's no superheroes, you know? Yeah. In Tenerife, there's a lot of dodgy cash and all that, and just go out and do a job where you're just up against fat Spanish cops, you know? Yeah. So Nacho was like, yeah, let's do this, and Nacho's going to direct it. But we wrote a screenplay, it's floating around in there, we'll see what happens. That's not the worst charity lunch I've had, by the way. The worst <laughs> charity lunch I've ever had, genuinely, was this guy had paid two grand for lunch, right? And I was like, this, is a, this, is, this guy must be really into my stuff. This was back in about 2007. When he pays two grand for lunch, do you have to pick up the cheque? Or is he Yes, I, 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 I had to pick okay, up lunch, yeah. right? And I, I met this guy, like it was a charity auction at the Chicago Comic Con. And like, um, you know, the night before he'd paid two grand and everything. And he showed up and he had two young boys with him who were about nine. One was for you. <laughs> one was for him. <laughs> <laughs> That's four and, drinks in. Let's <laughs> pick up the check. And, and I said to the guy, um, "Where do we go for lunch?" He went, "Oh, I'm not going." And I was like, "What do you mean?" Uh -huh. and, and, and he, he said, uh, "It's just you and the boys." 
And I, and I was like, what do you mean? And he said, can I take you aside for a moment? He says, I've, st- I've started going out with her mum. And he said, they're always around. We Could need you- a babysitter. Yeah, he said, he, said, he said, Could you take them off my hands for a couple hours? You know? and, and I was like, Seriously? And he, I said, Where will I take them? And he said, There's a TGI Fridays down there. They like that. You know? He's like, I don't I- care, mate. I'm off with this woman. <laughs> and I said, Are they even, at the end, have they read my stuff? I said, I don't think so. They've never read anything you've done. You know? So I took these two children away for two hours <laughs> while this guy got off no. with their mum. You know? And like, <laughs> And, and it was all for charity, so it's okay, you know. So. I love the fact this guy you're, you're like this, this generation Jimmy Savile, yeah. aren't you? That, that guy loved it. it. Was fucking Friday. <laughs> yeah. I love the fact that he's sitting in the charity auction, just going, "How am I gonna?" No one's watching these kids tomorrow. <laughs> Next up, lunch with Marble. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's tr- absolutely true. That's absolutely mad. What was it? What did the? What was oh, it was the most awkward lunch. I mean. There was these two wee boys and they were silent. And you kept telling them about and, punching and, a kid in the head. I was, I was, trying, to, I was trying to think I something. I kill you with a jet <laughs> when you were a child. <laughs> you are a child. I was like, are you guys into Spider-Man? They were like, not really. Yeah. You know, it was just no, a little boy's not into Spider-Man or anything. <laughs> nah. Nah. Into Bergman. So we're into our mum and she's not here. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is a weird place to end the podcast. Isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? And yet somehow perfect. It's yeah. coming to a natural conclusion. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Mark, have you got anything you want to plug? Um, let me see. Ah. Let, there's uh, Chrononauts is out in three weeks' time. Jupiter Circle's out in about nine weeks' time. You'll forget all this. You're drinking. Why am I even telling you? you know, but, yeah, but we're recording but, but, it. Oh, it's okay. It's yeah. Yeah. Anybody who's recording it, check it out. Um, like, uh, I think that's it. Drive carefully. You know, home tonight. Yeah. No, don't drive. No, don't drive at all, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Glasgow. You've been or, drinking, but drive careful. Or um, drive so fast, so much faster than the police. Drive yeah. so much faster. Drive fast, get home quicker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do this on behalf of Mark Miller. If you want to see a movie, see Kingsman this weekend. Mm. But that's not playing as part of the Glasgow Film Festival. So if you want to see a movie, uh, Glasgow Friday Fest is happening the whole weekend. Catch some horror films there. Or see me at Nirvana. I'm going to be at Days of Confused in a roller derby thing rink. Here. I'm not, not yeah. sure how that's right going to go. Right on my here. birthday. Ah. Beer and roller skates. That's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the King of Kong screen, which we mentioned earlier. And the Goonies is also screening that day. So, Hang on. When did the Goonies become a good film? I'm with, yeah. no, I'm with you on this. No, I'm with you on this. It's not. It's not. The it's Monster not Squad. If you want Monster to see a good Squad's movie a film, from yeah. that time... That place with similar characters but better done is yeah. the Monster Squad. Goonies isn't that great. On that note. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for no. coming. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I want to say a couple of thank yous, though. Thank you to the festival for inviting us up. Um, that's Kristen and Joe who've helped us out and they've been amazing. And also Premier PR, Elizabeth and Matty have helped us out enormously. So thank you, guys. And also, uh, thanks to everyone that's watching and listening. Um, Mark, many thanks for being an amazing guest. I, uh, I was just wandering by. I, I, I don't think I was actually invited. It could have been anyone. <laughs> uh, I want to thank Glasgow for being so blooming awesome. Hey. And, <laughs> uh, and we'll see you all at the bar. Yeah. Glasgow, Glasgow, get him as he tries to leave. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.